you so much for tuning in to She's All Over the Place with Kiriaki. That's me. Welcome to She's All Over the Place. I am so excited and you are going to be too. I have an artist on today, Gabriel J. Scholdener. He is from Manhattan, a true artist, and he's going to share his journey and story with us today. And I am so excited to have him on. We met about eight years, nine years ago, actually. Something like that. Yeah, it's crazy. It was that long ago. Almost a decade. Wow. Yeah. Yeah, it's amazing how time flies. Yeah, it was art night. It was a Thursday night. It was art night. And in New York City around Chelsea, like everyone who's anyone can go just hop around to all the amazing galleries, see amazing artwork and just like have amazing wine if that's what you like. (laughs) And um, Gabriel was um, at a, a shared space and I'll let him tell you more about it. But there were hundreds of artists there and thousands of people just walking in and out of these loft spaces. And I was just drawn to him and we had this connection and we have just been like friends ever since and we stayed connected and I've been able to follow his journey along the way yeah that's right and i've been following yours thank you so what um elizabeth tell us more about the space that you were at and why the you decided I, the, to go there uh, the space i was in it was a residency for four years it was in uh just above chelsea in uh hell's kitchen and um it was good i mean it, it offered a lot of artists uh, good, good price on studio for Manhattan. So you, you, uh, way under market value and, you know, they support emerging artists. So I did that for about four, four and a half years. And in that time, you know, they had nights when they just opened the studio space and you, everyone can just come in and look, look at art, which is the night you happen to come. They did it several times every season. So I did that for a while. And then I decided to move everything to my my home. I live, I'm born and raised in Chelsea and I'm, I'm still in Chelsea neighborhood, Manhattan. And, um, basically just converted my home into a studio, which creative creatively works much better for me, but it's a different experience because I'm completely and entirely surrounded with my work constantly, which I love. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Great. And then when you first went to the lofts, um, is is the space still there? Do they still support artists for? Um... Yeah, they're still there. They're mm-hmm. still there. It's Elizabeth Foundation for the Arts. Anyone that's an artist that's looking for studio space should apply. They have applications out every year. And um, if you get in, it's curated. So you have to apply. But if you get in, it's a great deal. You get a studio space in Manhattan for like a really good price and you get get to work with and around a lot of other artists. It's a good it's a good vibe there. There are many of those places in the city, a bunch of them in Brooklyn. I personally prefer working in my own environment, but I only figured that out after having several years of a studio that I actually had to go to, like physically go to, take the train or take like a 20 minute walk. Still very convenient, but yeah, I just feel like on a psychological level without knowing it, I think, you know, because community is so important. And as a youngster, Absolutely. as a yeah, and as a youngster and going and being there and having other artists knowing there's that creative energy and y'all feed off of one another, like without knowing it, maybe like it really fulfilled you and supported your journey Absolutely. along the way. And then you were like, OK, I have a strong, stable thing going on. Absolutely. I'm ready to be in my own power with my own thing and be so concrete from the inside. That's exactly what happens. Now it's the flip side. Like I get so engrossed in my own work and I'm in my studio all the time. I'm like a few degrees away from recluse at this point. 
which, you know, I find social media helps me with that because I'm so connected to so many people that, that way. But, you know, that becomes its own energy suck and nightmare after a while if you get like too caught up in like what's going on on, on social media, specifically Instagram. Um, it's just so much art kind of floods your brains too much. But <laughs> I am connected colors. that way. Too many and colors. <laughs> too many. <laughs> But the flip side is like, you know, if it weren't for that, I, I, I'll, I'll say like it's a positive aspect because if it weren't for that, I literally could stay in my studio and work um, for like months at a time and, and kind of like forget that there's a whole world out there, which is, I guess, one of the issues that I deal with as an artist at this point, which is, you know, it's, 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 it's a very isolating path. And in terms of like the, the you know, community, like I, I kind of... I don't want to say I don't really have a community, but like I feel that I'm pretty disconnected to like what's going on with other artists in 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 my own environment in the city, which which for me kind of you know it's frustrating, you know, because I'm I'm very I'm very shy. I like to have my own space. I like to be alone, but at the same time, I know how important it is. Like you were just mentioning, to have like a, a community of other artists where you just like kind of like support each other, and the energy kind of bounces back and forth which propels you as a creative person. So it's, it's, uh, it's the flip side of what I experienced when I had my uh, studio up at Elizabeth Foundation, but the benefits still kind of outweigh the, uh, the isolation, mm -hmm. if, that, if that makes any sense. Oh, it makes complete sense. And it's like when people see your work, it really stands on its own. It's really strong and stable. And it really, it's a masterpiece that each one stands on its own. So it, re it really represents like who you are as well. Thank you. Yeah, I feel it is. I feel, I feel that's a good read. I make these like, I call them hybrid sculptural paintings, kind of like somewhere on the border between what a painting and what a sculpture is or isn't. It's kind of very three-dimensional, very tactile, and basically all my work is in black, different shades of black. Yeah. A couple, like, there are hints of color in it, but primarily, like, it's basically black on black on black. Love and that. And so, you know, so, yeah, each, each individual piece, it's connected, like, to my whole, you know, like, the, the piece I'm working on right now is connected to the piece I just did before it, so it collectively it tells like a whole story of how it evolved but individually each piece works on its own and why do you think you were gravitated to black only at this point man i don't know i mean i've always loved black i grew up lo loving art i went to like grade school in manhattan and i was exposed um to art at an early age and well i wasn't exposed to like the museums to me going to a museum was like torture uh so and i didn't go to galleries or anything i was like you know, as a kid, I was drawn to like, you know, music and record, com record covers, and album covers and T-shirts and band stickers and stuff and graffiti. I grew up in Manhattan. So that was my connection to like visual art, but stuff that was in a museum or in a gallery. Like I, I just was not exposed to that. But in art class in grade school, I was exposed to art. And I loved it. I didn't know what I was doing 90 percent of the time, but I just loved experimenting with the different materials that we had access to. And. I was always drawn to black, but for some reason, I don't know where I was told this because I don't remember a particular teacher telling me this, but I picked up two things that I always kind of held with me, which is that you're not supposed to use black in painting and you're not supposed to use tape. If you make a line, you have to make the line like, you know, without tape. Otherwise it's like you're cheating. 
And I don't know where I heard that, but I carried oh, I've it. I've heard with that me. too. Come on, it, I know that one. Mm-hmm. But, but, but I don't know where it came from, the right? Stigma. Like, the stigma. I, I guess. So part of the reason that I love black so much, like what I don't know. I mean, it's from from birth. I I, I could. I could have my therapist maybe explain it better. I don't know. I've just always been drawn to it. But the fact that I was told that you're not supposed to use it definitely had like uh, an effect on me because obviously I'm the type of person that if you're told not to do something, I'll probably want to do it. I can coin this for you. Say what? I can coin this for you. Yeah, do it. I think it's rebel with a cause. (laughs) I like that. That's cool. Yeah. I mean... Until I got to art school, I didn't even know that, like, there were other artists that have worked in black for years. And it wasn't really, you know, I mean, it's it's very specific, but it's not like no one has done it before. And I got exposed to, like, my favorite artist, this Frenchman. He's 101 years old. His name is Pierre Solage. And he's been painting in black since he was, like, a teenager. Now he's 101. He's like my favorite artist. And I was exposed to him when I was doing uh, another community. I was doing a a summer residency program at School of Visual Arts here in Manhattan. And um, I got to have a studio space in in this visual arts program, which, again, was very similar to my other studio space where you're around a bunch of artists and there's all this creative energy and you get studio visits and you get to talk art. And one of my studio mates mentioned this artist, Pierre Solage, uh, who I'd never heard of. And he said that there was a show going on at this gallery called uh, Robert Miller Gallery in Chelsea that's now closed. But he suggested I go. And I went. And I saw this painting. And, like, I just, I don't know if it's ever happened to you with, with art or, or poetry or music. But I saw this artist's work in this gallery and I just started crying. I was like this is amazing. Mm -hmm. And that really kind of helped me. It made me realize that what I was doing with black was allowed. It was the first time. I mean, I knew that there were other artists that, you know, worked in black, but I always had this thing, like, it's not allowed. It's not allowed. It's like, you're not supposed to do it. And when I saw this guy's work, masterpiece, I actually touched it when nobody was looking. (laughs) Oh, Um, okay. I've done, I've done that. Two things. I've totally yes. done that. I've totally done that. Okay, two things. One, I'm the kind of person where it's like, if I'm not supposed to do it, I'm going to be like, oh, I'm going to show you how I'm going to do it. Yeah, so, exactly. So I'm that kind of person too. Like you tell me I shouldn't do it. It's going to make me want to do it more. That's, so we, we're, we're like the same We kids. connect with that, yeah. Yeah, we're like the same kids right there. Uh, we would get in a lot of trouble together <laughs> <laughs> if we like went to the same school growing up. Oh my God. Right. Yeah, did, yeah. Did, did you grow up in Manhattan? Michigan. Well, I, Michigan. Went to school. I, I grew up going to school in Michigan and then I grew up um, in Beverly Hills in California. Very cool. Mm-hmm. cool. Yeah. Um, and then I became bi-coastal. So, um, and then I was like, yeah, I, my ego was like, and I was like, yeah, I'm going to be tri-coastal, you know, over the <laughs> pond, over the, over the pond in London. Um, That's awesome. So this, so I have a, I have a short story that reminds me of what you just said. So when I was uh, a teenager in Paris and I was at the Louvre and I was looking at this Ensel Adams piece and I was just staring at it and I was just really just like doing my own thing and like, um, you know, solo, just standing there looking at pieces intently. And this woman came up to me. 
And she says, she said to me, and it was like the best compliment ever. I, she, I don't know this woman, I, but it just, it was kind of like a sign from the universe to tell me something like, and I've reflected on this, but she, cause I didn't know I was a kid and she came up to me and she said, what do you see when you're that close? <laughs> and I just looked at her and I'm just like, cause I just thought it was normal. Like, I just thought like everyone did that. You know, I didn't know it was like a, like a unique thing. <laughs> to observe, you know, just to like observe and just appreciate like this prolific artist and just like yeah. what they've done. So not that I, um, you know, have penmanship or draw that way, but it's it, it just, it, that applies to all art in general. Yeah. You, you connected with something, yeah. something, be something beyond that you can't really explain. Yeah. And the details were just so yeah. like important for me. And, but, but in that moment, just being a kid, like a teenager and that, Per, per international person just coming up to you and like yeah. questioning you that it's just because you know you, when you're at home growing up in Michigan maybe you're going to a public school maybe I mean you're in New York growing up you have an artist community but maybe like growing up in a suburb or something people who aren't in a major city maybe they don't get that special attention or nurture or care and yeah. they feel so disconnected kind of like even though you feel disconnected in a way from other artists maybe they feel disconnected in their communities and in their public schools and yeah. now homeschooling because of the covid that you know i mean maybe you know we all have a disconnect in our own different ways so i think it's yep. definitely relatable i agree completely so question for you yeah uh so how was the process and journey to actionable steps of being represented um by a gallery in harlem well it's kind of like it, it's a it's a it's a long story <laughs> But um, I was, when I was at that studio space that we had started talking about in the beginning, um, I had had uh, a woman just randomly come see my studio. She happened to be an art dealer. And at the moment, she was working with a gallery, David Richard Gallery. And um, she started, she asked me if I wanted to, you know, if I was working with anyone at the time and if I wanted to work with her and possibly through her, this gallery. And so, I mean, I, I was super excited. This is like what I've been waiting for, you know. How you get a gallery is always so mysterious. There are all these like books on it or, you know, forums about, you know, how to get a gallery or if you're in music, how to get a, how to get a record company. And it's like, you know, they, everyone has their own view or idea, but there's no one right way. So obviously I was, you know, hoping for it, but I just didn't know how it would manifest. And I just kept making my work. And then just like you came to my studio just that day, like, you know, it was another day and she came to my studio. It was actually one of those nights where they opened up the studios to the public. So she happened to come in and we spoke and, you know, I thought about it. And the next day I was like, let's work together. So she originally introduced me to David Richard Gallery. And at the time, this goes back to 2015, which is not that long ago, but it is in a way. And, uh, at the time, David Richard Gallery was located in Santa Fe, New Mexico, and they loved my work and we worked together. They gave me a show. It was beautiful. I couldn't believe it. And then fast forward, you know, things happen. And um, somehow the woman that I was working with stopped working as an art dealer. She changed her career path and kind of just, you know, changed up everything. So the gallery, because the deal that I had, I mean, this might be too technical, but the deal that I had was through her through the gallery. So when she left, everyone that was working with her through that particular gallery left as well. I guess it just happens. So the gallery shipped me back 
my work. And at that time I was galleryless. but it happens. And it was good because some of the work that they had, I was thinking like, how do I get this work back? Because I don't want it to go into the, the world because I guess I just progressed as an artist and I just didn't, didn't like some of the pieces. And I didn't want to be like a, like a snobby artist and ask them for my work back. And maybe we can just switch out some pieces. I didn't know the protocol. So I didn't say anything. And I was kind of like hoping that I get the work back somehow. And then it manifested that like we stopped working together and I got the work back, which was amazing. Mm-hmm. So, and I got to destroy it. I reworked some of the stuff and then I destroyed it. But fast forward to like 2020, a friend of mine has an opening at the New York uh, uh, gallery of the same name. They switched, they moved from Santa Fe to Manhattan and Harlem. And a friend of mine uh, was ha- happened to get a his studio was like, a block or two away from where this gallery is. So he met the gallery owners and the gallery owners liked his work and fast forward, he got a show. So I went to the gallery, hadn't seen the galleries, the guys since, um, since 2015, although we remained in contact through social media and Instagram and emails, but we just weren't working together. And I went and I saw the guy's show, my friend Isaac's show. And, um, I see the gallery owner and we start talking. We just hit it off. And he asked me if I'm working with anyone. And it's a moment I happen not to be. And I've worked with different people on and off throughout my career. And um, a week later, he was in my studio. And a couple weeks later, I had a show. This is amazing. And that pretty much brings us to the present. Mm-hmm. And I'm still represented by them. So how it all happened, I don't know. I want to say that there's some, some creative force that just kind of makes things manifest but you know I, I i did the work on my part i made the work and then i try to get it into the world and you know and even during the pandemic the show was a great success i was very happy with it great but, great but now but now it's kind of a long story but sorry i was rambling but that's no, how it happens yeah it's very detailed i have a, I have a couple of questions yeah. one so so uh is the work available on the gallery website now yeah the work that is, well, some of it's sold, but the work that's still there is uh, available. It's davidrichardgallery.com. And um, my name is Gabriel J. Scholdener. And that's how you can find it. And then you're, you mentioned your artist friend, uh, Isaac. What's his yes. name? What's that his name his is artist? Isaac. His, main, his name is Isaac Aiden. He's a conceptual artist that he also does stuff with uh, color fields. He did these amazing paintings that were involved automotive paint and like the shifting of light. They're very subtle, beautiful, like pastel-like colors. Um, he's also on the website of David Richard Gallery if anyone's interested. Cool. Very cool. Uh, and then um, well, my take from what you just said, I have a couple questions. Mm-hmm. So my take is first and foremost... You as a human being, as an individual, put yourself out there and put yourself at this loft for me to find you, for this art dealer to find you. So artists out there who are listening, like what actionable steps? Well, Gabriel put himself in a space where other artists were, in a community where other artists were, and positioned himself to be seen. So that's vulnerable as an artist, especially if you're an introvert. Yep. And we hide like um, I, I my birthday is 11, 11 and my uh, on the um, there's a book of birthdays and my uh, no joke. It's the veil. It's it's the, it's the veil. <laughs> so really? I, oh, yeah. I've hid. I, I've been hiding. I'm just coming out of hiding right now. Like I and I woke up one day and I was like, yo, I'm like, I, I've been hiding under a rock for like three years. You're on top of it all. And then you wake up and you're like, oh, my God, like, where did the fear 
when did it bite me? And then all of a sudden, three years go by and you're like, oh, I need to come up from underneath this rock. Right. But you needed, you needed those three years, though, don't you think? Yeah, because when we know the, the, the deepest of the dark, like Khalil Gibran says, when we know the deepest of the sorrow, then we can explore and feel the greatest of the joys and know the brightest of the suns and appreciate the highest yeah. of the highs because we know the depths of the lows, right? Yeah, but that's sometimes it's hard to, you know, when you're in it, you know, it's, it's hard to realize that it's, it's all part of the process. Mm-hmm. The but isolation. the actionable step, yeah. The actionable steps you mentioned, like I'm, I'm always applying for things and I suggest artists do that. Apply for studio spaces, apply for grants, apply for different opportunities. And you never know who's looking at the work if it's a, you know, something that's curated. Um, and if you don't get in the first time, you know, try again. I applied to graduate school to get a graduate degree in, in painting and fine arts. And um, the first year I applied, I applied to like seven schools. I didn't get in anywhere but I reapplied the next year and I got in. So just apply and by applying, eventually things happen and then you get opportunities and those opportunities lead to other opportunities. Even if, even if you don't know how it's going to happen, if that makes any sense. Of course. The that's kind of how it happens. It's so just, take us, go ahead. No, no, no go ahead. You go ahead. So take us on the journey of your educational system. Uh, your well, I went to, I was not very school inclined as a kid, even though, I mean, I loved art class when I was like seven, eight, nine, 10, 11 years old, but really didn't like school. I, I read so many of the books that I was supposed to read in high school, like after high school, I was just not, I couldn't focus. I couldn't, couldn't get into it. And um, it was weird because I love learning now. Like as soon as I finished school, I was like really interested in like learning, but like not when I was in it. So I went to NYU for undergrad and I studied Eastern philosophy and music business. And, you know, it was really cool. And I got into the record industry on the business side of it during school and then afterwards. And I was basically working around other artists, not visual artists, um, you know, musicians. And it was, it was really fun for a while. But after a while, I, I felt um, at the time I didn't know it because I, I had like a, a t-shirt company for a little bit and I was like starting a record company. I was always doing like a million different, like small creative ideas, ventures, even if I was still basically doing like marketing for a record company. And so I had all these little like creative outlets, but nothing ever really took off. I wasn't really sure, like, you know, I was apprehensive about, do I really do like my own record company? Is my t-shirt company going to like, you know, it was called Pathetic, is <laughs> my t-shirt company. <laughs> um, and, uh, you know, it's like a little skate brand, but it was like super small and like I never really pursued it. But I was always doing like a million different creative things just because I was interested in it. Uh, the one thing I wasn't doing, which is ironic, was painting. And so, I kind of was in this mode where I got real, like you were talking about those three years where you just were kind of like, you know, in your shell or something. Like I started feeling very like stifled and I realized it was creativity, creatively stifled at the time. I, I, I didn't realize it. I realized after the fact. And like I, I had a, a collection of like old street signs. I would steal street signs from the street, like stop signs and stuff. And I put them up in my place and I just started taking them down and like with spray paint and like, you know, making like little marks on it and just got like a really good vibe from it. Even though I didn't think of myself as painting at the time, I was just kind of around with like spray paint, but it was, I got this feeling that was 
like magic. And so I chased that feeling and I kind of kept doing this a little bit and it became more and more. And so it was like after work while I was like going to my, my day job at record company, I was buying, I started buying canvas. I started like picking up more street signs or like pieces of wood on the street and just like making these like weird creations. I originally started painting only in white, which is kind of interesting. And then like I quickly switched to black, but I was really interested in like the details of it. You know, like too many options if you if you have a whole palette of color, but if you limit it to just one, whether it's white or black, then you can really get like stuck on like the subtlety and the details and, um, you know, the repetition within something similar over and over and over again, you get like different results. So I kept kind of just pursuing this. And next thing I know, I'm like, I think I'm making art like this is incredible. And I got up the courage to show a couple friends and they were very encouraging and it just kind of kind of exploded from there. And then I realized, you know what? Like life is too short to not do what you love. And at that moment, I had discovered what I loved. And that was like making art. <laughs> so I just literally quit my job. And, um, and I, was, I mean, it was a little bit more intense than that. I went through a period of being really depressed because I wasn't happy at my job. And the one thing that also helped me get through that depression was the act of creating, which I found to be literally life-saving. So... There's like a real deep component of just like how it changed my life on a personal level. And then I said, you know, it feels so good making this work. I'm going to keep doing it and I'm going to devote myself to this craft and pursue the art world, I guess, is what I, I didn't know how to do it really, but I, I did. And then I kept up, like I was saying, I eventually started applying to things and then I got in, I got into the SVA summer residency program and then that and led what's, to like what's sva for people who don't S- know S- sva is a great art school it's school of visual arts in manhattan um and so i didn't go into their graduate program i went into their summer program which was like a studio for like a couple months in the summer and it's very similar you get a lot of like creative people working next to you it was one of the greatest things i ever did did that for like a couple months and then the next year i applied to parsons for graduate school for painting which is also in Manhattan, Parsons School of Design. And I didn't get in the first year, so I reapplied and I got in the second year. And it's just kind of like one thing builds upon the other. And I guess, you know, I guess the, the actionable concept, actionable step is just, you just keep applying and you keep putting yourself out there so and eventually were, things when, happen. When you were applying, were you also applying for scholarships or did you pay for it? Did someone pay for it? Because what about the people who have the yeah. money they can pay for it or do they get scholarships that they can't I, pay for it? Because a lot of people... Yeah, it's a big issue. It's a big problem. I took a lot of student loan debt on in order to do it. It was the best decision I made, but, you know, and I did get partial scholarship, but majority of it was like, you know, I just took out student loans. And now I'm like one of like a million people that have student loans needs to be paid back, which uh, it's a lot of money, but I don't regret it. So my saying is this from my experiences growing up as a human being and as an artist and being around Mm -hmm. multi-billionaires and multi-millionaires and who have all this money. And then I tried to raise capital for like so many different things and it's difficult and, um, you know, to raise capital and to get money and. Yeah, and, and then I found out, like, this is what the c- conclusion I came up with is this. Okay. It's very, very straightforward. Mm-hmm. If you're not willing to invest in yourself, why would another person want to invest in you? It's a great concept. That's a great point. And the other thing is when you invest in yourself and you're scared to, like, 
it's not a regrettable thing because it's your life. So when you, the best investment one could ever make is in themselves. And absolutely. Yeah. So like, like totally investing in assistance and education and online tools and mentorships and coaching and just taking, taking funds, you know, and investing it into yourself because, you know, so many times, like I would buy so many things for other people and people go and they, they buy things for other people. They just spend money, but then they won't spend it on themselves. But, right. you know, and then people do this zero to hero program, but like, and it, I know it's very minute and you want to mm-hmm. just have the illusion and obtain it like instantaneously, like, you know, eating ice cream, I'm going to eat it. Boom. It's done. It's short-term gratification. But it's like, if you literally like take a dollar a day and you like literally put it away, even if it's a dollar a day, yeah. it's still going to accumulate to something better than nothing. And then, and then the more you do it, I made it this interpersonal challenge with myself. Mm -hmm. And then it's like, you know, to grow and grow and grow. And then it's the perfect example is called the richest man in Babylon. So if, if, have you read that book? No, I want to read it. Anyone again, it's called the richest man in Babylon and anyone who wants to grow more, um, gold, worth value on a monetization level it's Mm -hmm. and you talked about manifestation this is how it's going to happen by the richest man in babylon and it shows you because the example is if someone gives me a gold nugget which people have given me so many gold nuggets but i'm so excited and it's so shiny and oh my god it's a gold nugget and i want to share it with my mom or my dad or my sister or my friend and i'm like here you go in my heart because a lot of artists were heart centered we're like Mm -hmm. i have this amazing gold nugget hold it try it out here you go and you and then you give it away you give it away you give it away but if you if you receive a gold nugget and you you put it to the right and then you receive another gold nugget and you put it to the right you know eventually a month two months a year later you're gonna look to the right you're like oh my god i have a this gold nugget turned into a gold mountain and then when you mountain going on and you receive some gold nuggets then you can decide to here let me share it with my mom or my dad or someone else but first you need to build up that stuff from within and show the universe that you're responsible to take on more things it's kind of like energetic tests in the universe you know that's that's a great way to look at things like that's very cool i'm gonna definitely read that book can even listen to on an audio that's what i did if you because i read a lot of scripts for acting and stuff and sometimes reading so much and doing so much and you can absorb like after a hot bath or shower or while you're painting or while you're doing something you can even like have headphones in and listen to it while you're sleeping so it goes into your subconscious but like you can listen to it on audio and there's a program it's called overdrive it's an app it's through the library and you can download up to 30 audiobooks per month for free wow that's really cool thank you for that i'm Uh gonna take you up on that yeah yeah definitely so I have another um, question going back to uh, the technical aspect that you mentioned. Um, so you put yourself in a situation to, so this art dealer could find you and then you got to deal with the gallery. How does that look? Like, do you sign a contract? Do they provide you with the contract? Like, how does that, how does it look? How do you, cause it's so confusing. Like if someone yeah. wants to represent you and so yeah. I, there's the below the line, the the solid, because like you said, art is art, and in the music industry, especially, there's different deals. But but I know about law, and I know about things as an independent artist. But now that I know, but for the people who don't know, like 
what about um, your art deal? Like, how did that look when you're like, yeah, I'm going to represent you? Like, did did she hip pocket you or what was the what was the call to action for her? Like, was she how did it happen? Did she tell you exactly how it was going to be or what? Yeah, she did, which was good. And, you know, I was I was not going to take a deal that was just kind of I mean, a lot of deals are, you know, on good faith and handshakes in the art world, which is kind of weird. It's like that. And um, it, it's 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 strange. I, I can't really explain it. But in this particular situation, she was really cool. She told me, like, you know, basically what would happen, like, you know, as typical gallery artist split is 50 50. Sounds crazy. 50 percent of a painting uh, goes to the gallery. But if it's a gallery that believes in your work, you know, they're doing a lot of work for you and you're doing, they're doing a lot of promotion. They have their whole like, you know, mailing list and the collectors that they normally work with. So in a way, the idea is that through the gallery, your work will get seen by collectors and people that wouldn't necessarily see your work without the gallery. And so with the gallery, you get exposure to like collectors and art, art world people, and that's kind of how sales manifest. Unless, you know, I mean, it's a lot of artists. It, I mean, it depends. Like, artists sell to other people directly out of their studio, too, sometimes. Basically, my deal was through her, and she had a deal with the gallery, which technically I don't even know what that deal was. But most likely, like, I would get 50% on a painting, and then they would get, like, maybe a 50% of 50%, so 25 each based on the work that's sold. And that's how she got paid through the gallery. And that's how the gallery got paid. But it's also possible that the gallery basically kept her as a, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? As a... Like a broker? Uh, the word ex escapes me right now. Like, like a consultant. So she mm -hmm. could have been being paid by as a consultant, like a regular fee that had nothing to do with my own art sales. It was just like her working directly with the gallery. In which case, maybe the gallery would get 50%, of, the other 50% of the retail price of the painting and just get paid on her monthly great so i don't really know what her particular deal was with the gallery but my deal was through her and through her through the gallery and everything was on paper so that when i sold the piece you know it was basically you know contractually written out like what painting sold and that i'm getting 50 percent, and it worked out i mean i know a lot of horror stories where like you know artists get deals with galleries galleries sell their work they never see the money it's it's the equivalent of like what goes on a lot in the record industry, which is, you know, a lot of times the artists are, I mean, the artist is what makes the industry, but at the same time, like how much do they get paid for like, you know, Spotify? It's like, they're always kind of like rip off the artists. And, oh yeah. It's like and, point in a, a lot of ways. Yeah. Something yeah. It's so ridiculous. Minimal. So that, um, that stuff kind of happens in the art world too. Well, the, one I, of the things I really <clears throat> admire about you because of your sophistication and your education of going to school. So you're already it already shows like your your intelligence. So that doesn't mean like all artists have that education, which doesn't which doesn't mean that they're a lesser of an artist because there's so Absolutely. many talented artists that is who correct. don't who don't have the education and with Google now, you know, you can like literally say like, what are some ideas? What are some te templates of an art dealer? What is it? What, what does an art deal look like? So thank God for Google, but like for people even to know, to like know to go to Google mm -hmm. to say, Hey, just type that into Google. But yep. to tell all artists on here listening, like, like make sure whatever you do as an artist and whatever you do as a creative, make sure 
It can literally be in an email. It suffices in the court of law. If you even just have, even if it's not like a formal written contract, mm-hmm. like it can just be like a literally a one page or a one paragraph, like, you know, attention in the detail. There's like people who can look it over for you before you sign it. Don't just don't sign it right away. Have someone like look at it if you don't know someone like, I mean, there's Reddit, there's like Google, but also like, it's really, really important to like, even if it's on an email, like even if it's on an email, Email that that goes that can go to an attorney and in a court of law. So yep. Yep. that's why that's it's very better. that's very true. And it's better like um, instead of being on the phone when you're making deals or like you said, there's a lot of handshaking going on. And that's yeah. that's like, you know, it's like a it's, it's great to have that handshake and that trust and stuff. But also it's like it's it's business. It's a business. It's, yep. it's, it's called it's called show business for a reason. You show your art. And it's a business. So yep. like just have it, have something very simple. It doesn't have to be a big deal. Just saying like, oh, you're going to, it's, it's like 30, 20 or 50, 50 or like whatever, yep. 60, 40, whatever it's going to be. And the term of the contract, if it's one year and if nothing, you know, like in for acting, um, if an agent doesn't get you something in the first 90 days, it can be null and void. If they don't get you any work, like you can, you know, dip out of the union contract. Was your contract for one year or how long, long how long was your contract for? Usually they go, well, what I've been doing just general, it's been like six months and then we keep extending it. So that's kind of how it's been working on my end, but there are infinite ways that you can do it. But basically the work is technically like legally it's on consignment to them. And so they have like six months to a year to like keep it on consignment and hopefully sell what's what's left of it. And um, that's kind of how it works once. So that's basically like my, the deal with, with a particular gallery, it's like everything is on consignment, which basically means they, I mean, regardless of where the piece is physically, because, you know, because I have the work in my, my storage space, even though it's still consigned to the gallery. Um, yeah, in, in, there's in like some a instances. Tear or some, there's theft yeah. or something. I was going to say, like, if the pieces are in their gallery, um, do you have in your contract, like, God forbid something, I mean, if their building has insurance, obviously it's paid through the insurance, but what happens exactly. if one of your pieces are missing? Are they insured? Like, how does that work out? Who's responsible for those things? That That's technically, that's where it gets kind of tricky, you know? Like, hopefully, like, in good faith, the gallery would be like, you know, <laughs> wow, we lost your painting. We apologize, but I've heard so many stories where, you know, paintings go missing, which really means in a lot of ways that a gallery has sold it, but hasn't paid the artist. So mm. they'll, they'll say that it's, you know, I mean, this is just the, the flip side of like, you know, the art world. There's a lot of shadiness that goes on. So you just have to be like, like, you have to be like aware and upfront and like, you know, even if it's a verbal or a handshake, like you said, put it in the email. Um, but in general, like the gallery is responsible for the work if it's on consignment to them. So if something were to happen to the work, they're liable for it. Well, lastly, I'll talk, I'll say on this subject is another thing that just came to my mind is, you know, before you getting into the business with these people, thank God for social media and Google, you can type in the name of the person, the art dealer, the gallery and put scam afterwards and see if there's theft. And so that you can see their reputation. So do some research to find out, you know, maybe they're on LinkedIn or if they have a big follow 
following on social media or if they don't have a big following, like get a resource or two, a couple of resources. You can say, yep. hey, who else do you represent? You can look at their their artist page and like look at, you can even say like, let, let's see your like monthly, two month, three month report. Let's see the sales you've done. You know what I mean? Like yeah. they're working for you ultimately and you're going to like go with them. And it's cool that it, yours is like a six month deal because then you're like kind of like quote unquote getting into bed. But if your personalities clash or if you don't like yep. your work ethic or something, you're not married to them and you can actually like just like keep on moving. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, then, and then it gets tricky with like, you know, multiple opportunities because like one thing that I guess like, cre- I mean, as much as I've, I feel like I've given really good advice, it's like I just need to take my advice because I get so frustrated sometimes where I feel like I have nothing coming up in terms of like a show or like a, a, a commission or something. And if I don't have something like lined up, it's basically just me and my studio making work on the uh, good faith that something is going to happen, something else, something, an opportunity is going to manifest. Um, and it's a lot of times what happens is like, you know, I'll be represented by a particular gallery, but there'll be another gallery that kind of want to work with me as well. And so it becomes this like, you know, just be upfront with your gallery. Like if I had a gallery from California that's interested in working with me, I don't at the moment, but if I did, like just because I have a gallery in Manhattan doesn't necessarily mean I can't work with a gallery in California as well and consign different work to them. But it's still nice to like mention it to your other gallery that this opportunity has come up because sometimes the gallery can help you and maybe, you know, paying for shipping or, you know, can work directly with the other gallery in some capacity. If you kind of like hid the idea or the opportunity, then, you know, you might get into like a weird, you know, rift with your gallery. So it's good to be upfront because opportunities come up and like, you know, you'll see artists that are working with like three or four different galleries and maybe the deal for one gallery is like ongoing and the deal for another gallery is just a show. And, you know, it's, it's just like weird, like opportunities come up. And like, I think it's important to like take every opportunity because you never know who's going to see your work. You never know what's going to happen with that piece, you know, and it's just always about getting more and more and more exposure. So it's important to like when, when um, opportunities manifest to take them. But it's also important to be upfront, at least this is my opinion, to be upfront with like who you're working with in New York, because maybe they know something about the gallery in California and they have a bad ad- reputation. Or maybe it's like a conflict of interest because they want paintings that are too similar to the ones that they have in New York, you know, but as everything is negotiable. And I think that's a little bit different than music where you get like a contract with a particular record company and then you're pretty much like, you know, solely exclusive with them. But then, you know, the there, there are deals that are like that too, where it's like, you know, you're working with this particular gallery and you're represented for like the world through them and you will not take other opportunities that come up because you're exclusive. And that's another type of artist deal that like you can get. And usually, you know, if you get like a really powerful gallery, like they're going to want to, they're going to want to own you in a lot of ways. And it's, it's kind of tough because you take that risk to like be with them and hope they're going to work on your behalf. But you're also like, you know, not necessarily taking other opportunities that come up because you're not allowed to. So it really depends. There are yeah. infinite number of ways you can have a gallery represent you or, you know, the most important thing and best advice I've ever gotten is just keep making the work. Just keep making work over and over and over again and tell everybody that you're an artist and you never know what comes from that. 
Yeah. And also, you know, putting it out there, putting it out there. We can't like there's the good faith and everything. And then it's also like, you know, we need to know how to scale and monetize for ourselves because like we're representing yeah. ourselves. So before you mentioned you had the um, the T-shirt brand. So did, did you apply your paintings for, for on some merch like coffee mugs and T-shirts and stuff? So you have some merch so you could be making some passive income? Well, I also do wearable works, smaller works that are much more inexpensive. And they're basically like tiny sculptures that are wearable. And I, when I got out of Parsons, I was actually making jewelry parallel to like making art. So I was doing both. And I, I was driving myself crazy because I was working with like little, like really cool, like, you know, mom and pop retail outlets in, in Manhattan and California, specifically for my jewelry. And then I was working on my paintings and, you know, trying to get like representation for that. So I was basically like all over the place. And I did a couple like uh, New York fashion week where like different designers would use my stuff. So I've been able, I still, I still kind of do make the wearable work. I don't, I consider it art though. I don't, I don't try to pursue like the, the, the fashion world or like, you know, uh, opportunities to sell jewelry. I really just make small pieces that are wearable and I make them available directly from my website. And it's a, it's another way to, I guess, you know, extend my brand, if you want to say like, you know, cause then somebody is wearing a necklace. It's, uh, basically my art on a necklace and, um, new museum here in New York, they sell some of the necklaces that I have. So I've been able to do that, but like, I haven't done t-shirts. Like I do have a logo for my, my brand, which is like a backwards G and I've got stickers and I like, put stickers up all over the city. And sometimes I incorporate that G into my work, but true I haven't really artist. gone ahead and made true, t-shirts. Yeah. Right. True. Have but, you seen the sophisticated psycho stickers all over New York yes, city? I, I actually have. Like, yeah. It's a good, is, is, did you have someone doing it for you or is that you? Come on, come on, come on, come on, come on. Yo, yo, TSP, that's what's up. In, I know, I know. LA, yeah. Paris, Australia, we're all over the place. That's awesome. Yeah. yeah that's really yeah. cool. So yeah, I kind of do the same thing. Yeah, I just ship like 5,000 to like Australia, Paris. You just you just ship so them there cool. and have yep. the friends help out. You know what I'm yep. saying? The homies help I, out. They know what's up. I know exactly what you're saying. So what I'm thinking is, um, what about Etsy having your, it's like Poshmark or like Etsy having, um, your, your art pieces on there to sell. Well, here's the thing. And this is gets kind of like, uh, it depends on who you speak to a lot of people. Like if you're an artist, like a lot of people will disagree with this, but like I was told that when I was doing the, the jewelry as a side, you know, it was almost like 50, 50, I was doing jewelry and I was doing the art, the painting, the studio work. And um, an art dealer that I was working with had mentioned that choose one. Like if you're an artist, like focus on the painting, because a lot of times like certain collectors, this, this gets really like trite, but like certain collectors, if they know that you're also doing like jewelry, they'll look at you differently than if you're just solely doing painting, which I think is ridiculous. But I see that like, I see how it can be like, are you, are you a painter? Are you devoted to like, you know, the studio work or are you a jewelry designer? And at that point, like I made a decision to just, you know, I'm, I'm, an, I'm an artist, I'm a painter. When, when was that? Just, like, when was that? That was while, um, I'd say that was probably like 20, I got out of grad school. 2009 so that was probably okay. like 2010 okay let me help you right now um yeah. that, we're in the 21st century so that was <laughs> that was that was over a decade ago so much has changed now and 
like that's a stigma and that's someone I agree. Particular. So you're in a whole new entrepreneurial world now. So the more you're out there on different plethoras of platforms, the the more the more it's going to be better for you and other artists listening on that's here. That's great so advice. That's someone that was some it's um it's an that's someone and their their little belief system that was planted in your brain, but you need to squash that and eliminate it and let it go and um, get your stuff on Etsy because a lot of people are buying on Etsy, and so that leads me to your. Th- That's then a you're, great advice. Then you're definitely not on Pinterest, then, right? No, I mean people have posted my work on Pinterest and okay. it's been repinned. Re- let me but, um, let me. Give I'm you all over. Hacks. Go go for it. Let me give you some more hacks here. Okay. Uh, Pinterest, you need to be all up on Pinterest. Pinterest and YouTube are the only ones that do SEO search engine optimization. And I know all about um, strategy mm-hmm. for keywords and um, those kind of things. See, everything else is a social feed. It's on, it, you might see it, you might never see it. It might be on your mm-hmm on someone's page, it might fly by their face or they may never see it or they may see it five days later. But it's a feed. It's like Twitter. It comes and goes. Facebook, it comes and goes. Instagram, it comes and goes. But the Google and the Pinterest, the SEO, they live there forever and you can be found internationally. Your your art, your niche, you you have a niche and you need your niche on YouTube and on Pinterest because then this 101-year-old painter from France that you really admire Mm -hmm. and respect, like that's how other people are going to see your work and you're going to have more exposure. So uh, that's great advice oh i mean i don't know if it's advice but i'm just saying like uh as an entrepreneur or artist because you're you and who's where's that person now what, what are they doing they're not they're right. not they're not putting money in your bank account right right and, right and we're not getting any younger here and you're educated and you have student right. loans you want to pay off and it's like we right. want to make passive income and it's like we're not 15 and 20 yeah we're doing right. it fun and it's awesome and it's a part of our heart and soul and our journey and we're true artists but you know what I mean like God willing I would like to like have a family and I would like to feed my babies and you know what I mean I would like to you know have a nice you know passive income and have the accolade for my energy and my time and my work so um, yeah it's really really important and you don't you can do it or you can outsource and have someone do it it's a lot so you know a lot of I was just on a panel with all these multi-millionaires the other day for 11 hours um I, I was on from 11 p.m to 9 30 in the morning and wow and, yeah and the thing is it's like you just have to bust through all those things and just get your mind straight and go after it and do what you got to do for you and you know with ethics morals and values and do what you got to do for you and just you know call it a day just just make it happen oh and the last thing they were saying was like you know all these people what you need to do even though you know how to do it like there's things i know how to do mm-hmm I outsource. I have, you know, I have three VAs, virtual assistants that that do things for me. Like you, you need to pay um, these virtual assistants because, like we said earlier, the best investment you're going to make is in yourself. And so, when right. you invest in yourself, then you know. And but you have to offload things. So, like certain things you got to do, like the core things. But then you know the admin stuff and certain things. Mm-hmm. For example, like like you put together, you don't know the keywords. You don't know how to get your your website, um, you know, with the 300 words on each landing page popping right. with the keywords. You know, you have a branding right. expert, blah, 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 like putting together your electronic press kit. Maybe you know how to do all those things. Maybe you need a helping hand to help you do those things. Maybe you say, hey, I need this, this. And I just worked with the strategy coach and I need 
need one through 10. Okay, this is what needs to be done. And someone else does it because I don't like to do those things. You know what I mean? It's difficult as an artist to do those things because I want to be in the art. I want to do the fun stuff. I want to chase the magic stuff. But it means all these other things that need to be done, but it's an energy. So you have to pay um, uh, some kind of fee for those people as an exchange for those people. For you, you could probably get an intern. You could probably get some kind of intern or something and they would, who knows, admin work and they they could do it as an exchange and then you gift them information because you're highly educated and you went to these schools, you know, so you could definitely get, get a couple interns working yeah. with you. Do you guys, do you guys use uh, Pinterest like yourselves? That's our next strategy. Not yet. We're, we're focusing on what we're focusing on now. Um, I got certified in YouTube business um, during oh, cool. at the beginning of the pandemic. Oh yeah. I mean, I had to, because there's so much monetization on um, Instagram and YouTube. So I had to, um, energetically pivot and uh, I found out about like the YouTube business stuff and so I'm starting to rock and roll on the Sophisticated Psychos YouTube page so subscribe there and um, it's all about consistency and I can share strategies and stuff with you on that on that vibe but um, you know it's like this guy was talking it's like he did a video and it had no views no views and then boom Hmm. seven months later he had over 40,000 views oh my god how is that even possible because the thing is it's AI it's the algorithm and so what you post how you post when you post the hashtags you use the title in the description it's AI and it's layered so it's like within the first second within the first and, and then when you do YouTube you need to do the format bumper hook and then the content so you have to do a bumper a hook and the content and youtube is not about your subscribers it's not about the likes it's about the watch time you get paid on the watch time you can have like a million subscribers but like if they say oh only like 500 hours were watched like on one of my channels i have at the minimum 14,000 hours per month watched right that's just on one of my youtube channels but i'm 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 focused now and i've rebranded so i'm i'm very focused with my two brands going forward but that accumulates but the thing is if you have 1 million subscribers and you only have 500 hours of watch time you tell the algorithm you you tell youtube oh this person has all this content but all these subscribers but no they're only getting this much watch time their content must not be good we're not gonna share it but if you have um like minimal subscribers like 100 or 200 but you have like Uh maximum watch time they're like oh this content must be really good people are liking this we're gonna share this more and it's a ripple effect and then the algorithm shares it more that's incredible oh there's so many hats you just schooled me i mean yeah i mean this is a whole other podcast episode yeah i I understand but like (laughs) it's a great way like you can you can i mean there's there's gotta be a way that i could do something more with youtube pinterest i get you know i can understand that youtube i never thought about it like i have a couple interviews that i did with the gallery that they posted on youtube but like having my own channel i never even considered it oh my god great idea oh it's a great idea yo you can repurpose your content um i have we i have a production team i have a graphic artist they can put an edge on it they can put a cool on it they can put your font on it they can size it for you they can do the formatting for you because you have to do thumbnails like you have to be consistent you have to do the hashtags you you can repurpose your content you can record like a vo narration and some montage of videos and photos and repurpose the content and just like 
like posts like one video a week and and you schedule them. So like, you know, you have six months of content ready to go and your specific niche is so specific because of you being an artist and what kind of artist you are, you're going to accumulate those kind of subscribers. And the other thing you said earlier, which was, you know, which is great. And you're like, oh yeah, you know, you're putting it out there and then having good faith. Well, there's more than good faith. It's mm-hmm. like you said earlier too, it's about creating and when you, and then when, you know, and just keep creating and creating and keep outsourcing, but creating and creating by doing the YouTube, creating by doing the Pinterest, creating yeah, by scheduling all your posts, like, you know, and having it be consistent because me as an artist, I can't, if I'm emotionally going to go post something like four out of five times, it doesn't get done. I might want to say, oh, I'm excited. I'm going to post something on Sunday. But then right. it, then, then it's like Friday and it's like, oh, Friday's not a good day to post because everyone's right. like, it's Friday and they're doing their thing. So then I miss the boat. So like I just started scheduling my own stuff too, like 60 days in advance because if you post once every two days or once every three days, it's consistent, but your your posts are scheduled. If you're doing, if you're doing, um, if you're scheduled two months out, and you're doing a post every two days, you only need 30 images or 30, you know, videos or whatever for two months, right. you know, and then you, right. you write everything down, you do all your hashtags and, and then it's still from the heart and then you batch it and then you have. That's incredible. You're and saying, you're talking, this is about YouTube, right? No, now I'm talking about when you're scheduling your posts on LinkedIn, um, Instagram, Facebook. Um, I'm not sure if Pinterest, I think Pinterest you can schedule as well. Yeah, you can schedule all your posts, but you, you got to get your hashtags popping so people can find you on the Google. Right, mm-hmm. right. Yeah, yep. that's really, I mean, that, this, is, <laughs> this is exactly what I wanted to talk to you about. So it's amazing that you're, you're, you're mentioning all this stuff. Oh, yeah. And the listeners on here, they know how to reach me, chinakas.com. And, you know, there's a link and we can do one-on-one private coaching. I have, you know, weekly coaches I work with. And then also, um, you know, it could just be a one-off. Like, boom, I need this coaching session with you. And then they go and do everything. And then they come back to me two weeks later and it's bi-weekly or they come to me once a month. They're like, okay, I did the list of 10 things. Now what? Okay, I did the list of 10 things. Now what? You know, and then if you have someone outsourcing and doing it for you, you can move a lot faster. Yeah. All these things need to be in a place and they're called funnels. You need, it's like a business tech thing, but there's funnels. You need to, you need to get your funnels. And the number one most valuable thing I'll tell you and all the artists on here, like the number one thing you need to do is, and this has been, this has been going on since the eighties, probably before the eighties. But the number one thing you need to do is have people's email addresses and collect people's email addresses because all these social media platforms could actually just be gone tomorrow. And so if you have people's emails, if you have an online business popping or you're like, oh my God, I haven't started yet, but I want to get it started popping. There's like cold calls. There's people who are raising their hands and those are your Mm -hmm. warm audiences. I have a a Facebook page, Katie Chinakis. And um, since I'm branding and building this up now, I have probably like over 600 people on it. There's one it has over 600 people and I can't get into that account for some reason. So I, oh, had, no. I had to start a new one. So I have over 600 people. So, so I have 600 people just from that Facebook fan page where people raise their hand and you know, they're on my email list. And so I can send them stuff and they're a part of my community. And so you want to like have people opt in to, um, to sign up for your email list because you're going to, 
email them something um, special. You're going to email them weekly updates. You're going to email them something. You're going to give them something like it's called a freemium. You're going to add value. You're going to give them something and then they give you their email and they want to partake in what you're doing. And then like when you're like have a show or if you're selling something like your merch or, hey, I just put myself up on Etsy Etsy, Mm -hmm. and you send it out to 100 people, 600 people, 2000 people, whatever. And then those are the people who are going to support you as an artist and buy your stuff and share it with their friends and family. That's super cool. So basically everyone you have on your Facebook page, you have all of their email addresses. No, not all of them. But what I can do is since they follow me, I can write something and say, got it. Hey, this, which I'm going to like, actually, you just reminded me, I need to um, write down there, say, Hey, um, sign up for my creative newsletter. And then let's see how many people do it. And then you do it once a week. So so the people that didn't see it will see it, right? And so because I have the book I'm going to be releasing, um, A Lover's Fairy Tale. And then so then people can go to A Lover's Fairy Tale so people can know about my book, so people can know about like what I'm doing. But I'm what I'm doing is I'm growing my email list. And what you can do on Facebook, which is a really good thing to do, you need an evergreen ad and an evergreen ad means you take like a gif or a video something dope and i can help my graphics guy can help you design something minimal Mm -hmm. font what you should do is listen to um facebook strategy and instagram strategy with monica louie on my podcast and that's going to help you um know a lot of information and then you can come to me with more questions but first do that and then once you do that you're going to know you're going to do a GIF or you're going to do um, an evergreen ad where you can spend a dollar a day and you have a pixel in your in your Facebook and on your landing page of all your websites and you have a pixel. And what happens is it it, it breeds more people who like your art and who are right. in your topic. And then what you do is instead of when you do an evergreen ad, that could be a dollar a day, but it's evergreen. So it can go run for five years or one year or three months, whatever. And people are opting in to put in their email to know more about your art and to know more about you. You don't want it to click off the page for them to go on to something else. You want them to be able to put in their email right on Facebook. Because if you have them click off of Facebook, it's going to say, do you really want to click off of Facebook? Yes or no, you're going to lose 50% of the people. So you want, when you do an evergreen ad, you want to make sure you put your, they can put their email in without leaving Facebook because, or else they're going to, they're not going to want to scroll off. They're going to want to keep going. That's incredible advice. Wow. I'm going to come back to you with a bunch of questions. I'm going to watch that, listen to that podcast and come back at you. It's like, this is like super helpful. Oh yeah. It's a lot. It's a lot to take in, but it's, it's, yeah. it's, if you want, once you have direction in the tools and you know what to do, uh, you can do it. Someone like me, I, I haven't been, um, diagnosed ever. I've gone to neurologists. I've gone to therapists. I've gone to psychologists. I've gone to people who try to put me on medication and it's like, it's not my jam. I'm God <laughs> gifts to the world. My, my mind is a mastermind. I am who I am. We're like I said earlier, we're human beings, not human, like yep. robots. So like for me, I, I, I know certain things, but to help with the structure of the in-between, you know what I mean? Like I need yeah. a helping hand, like a VA or someone to do those kind of things to help that I have the projected vision of things, but I need that help with the integral part of it. And some people are, they can do those things and that's their jam. For me, um, I'm an empath. I'm highly sensitive. I start shaking. I get anxiety. I get overwhelmed yep. and I shut down. So I, I have rather, that too. Yeah. 
I'm like, I'm a, I'm an introvert like you too. I'm an introvert and an extrovert. I'm an ambervert. No one thinks I'm like when I meet people and I talk to people, like no one believes me when I tell them I'm a huge introvert. They're like, dude, you're so like, you know, you're outgoing, very personable. And that's the natural side of me. But <laughs> believe me, I'm like 99.9% introvert easily. So I don't know what that is, right? Like- I know what it is. I know exactly what it is. And I, I, when you told me that originally, I'm like, yeah, I see. I totally get that. And that's awesome that you know it and you're vulnerable and you say it because a lot of people are scared and they don't say it and they shy and they hide away. And that's when, you know, bad things happen where people hide and do bad things. But yeah. you, since you're comfortable with that, you know, my music partner, Nikki Scorpio, he has a podcast. It's called the Scorpio Rising Podcast. It hit top three on Apple Podcasts on, or top 100 on his on Holy Apple Podcasts. Shit. For mental health on his third freaking episode, he's bawling. And his tagline on it, it says on um, the podcast for introverts. <laughs> no way. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm, you know, he's, I've known him for eight years. And so we're yin and yang. But the very, the thing is being an ambervert, it's like, I love being invited. Like I love going to fashion shows, of course. And I love right. being invited to, ev- and I love going to events and parties and red carpet events and blah, blah, blah. And growing up and doing all that. And then through the years, it's like, Sometimes it's like you just want to be invited, even though you just rather stay home. You just want to know that you're invited. You know what I mean? So true. I totally got idea with that. Yeah. 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 It's like you you, like an insecure part or just that yearning. Like, I just want to be invited. But but when you're invited, you're like, that's nice, but I'm just going to stay home. (laughs) Yeah. Even like going to art openings, like, you know, including my own, like, um, (laughs) like I never want to go. But when I do go, I always run into people I know. I always have a great time. And it's, it's always an amazing experience. And I'm always confused why I was so against going. Like, I just really wanted to just stay home with my little puppy. I don't want to go to this opening. Even mine, I didn't want to go to. But it was amazing. And I went. And then I'm like, why did I not want to go? And then I'm like, next time, just remember, you have a good time. And then the next opening comes up. And again, I don't want to go. It's really crazy. So I've accepted that I'm always not going to want to go to anything, but I make myself do it and I always have a good time. It's the weirdest thing. No, I just I just did a podcast episode on it, um, the turn of the century on being alone in fear of intimacy. And it's a psychological thing. And I feel the same thing. Like, so I'm really good at um, connecting people, curating, coordinating. I have a new radio show. It's called The Sophisticated Psychos uh, Radio Hour. It's a biweekly show. And I just curated it. And it's going to air for the first time next week. And I curated the whole, we'll have you on if you want. Yeah, and of course. So it'll be fun. And then I, I curated the whole thing. I'm in it on a very minimal level, very um, scattered throughout the thing. My name's mentioned. My podcast is mentioned. Um, my my music is played on it. But like, that's I'm, so cool. But, but you won't hear my actual voice on it a lot. It, it'll be other people's voices. But I curated the whole thing. I hired all the talent. I directed the whole flow of it. The less I can like not show up and just like be like not there is like the better for me. And and so in the past when I've like when I was in LA and I was putting on all these like massive events and stuff, but I would have like so much cortisol would release and I would, I would have such so much anxiety and like, I would literally just like be like freaking out inside because of like, I don't know. Like, I, I don't want to say, I don't know what it is, but yeah. Um, and you want it to happen and then it does happen, but there's something about it too, where it's like, it's like super stressful, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I totally identify with that. That's why I really love doing voiceovers and I love 
um, doing the podcast. And that's why I love, um, you know, painting. And that's why I love uh, poetry and now releasing the poetry book, because those are things you can do with yourself and your soul um, internally. And yeah. Um, yeah, so that's probably why I love painting so much. Where can I actually see your painting? Do you have a website for it or? Mm, no, I actually, I don't have, yeah, it's a very, very good question. Oh my gosh. So um, I actually took all my paintings down and um, uh, what happened was last December, like I spent over $10,000 in storage and wow. yeah, um, through the years. And so in December of not 2020, but December, 2019, I gifted so many of my pieces away and I, I kept like my babies of my babies that I like mm -hmm. putting there. They're like at my sister's house in LA and my brother's house. Um, mm -hmm. I kept, I kept some pieces. I gifted a lot of pieces away and I donated over 40 pieces to Goodwill. Wow. In 20, That's amazing. In 2019. So they're all signed. So someone has somewhere in the world has my That's um, painting. That's great. Oh, you're so sweet. Thank you. And you never know where it's going to pop up again, right? Like You don't know. Like, you, like you, you might see it in a magazine in like 10 years. Literally. like, like some, some, You know, that's, that's pretty cool. Like one is signed by Jessica Simpson. That's <laughs> <laughs> awesome. Because I, I, do, I do three dimensional art as well. And so um, one of my um, pieces, I had Jessica Simpson sign it and I did a collage and I put it on there that's and awesome. I signed it. So it's both of our signatures on one piece. So the guy I gave it to, he worked at the Goodwill and he's like, I'm going to hang this right above my bed. I said, listen, I'm like, do not. I'm like, keep it. I'm like, do not sell it for under $10,000. He's like, I won't. Uh, he's like, awesome. I'm not, he, he goes, I'm not selling it. I'm like, just don't sell. I'm like, hold on to it. Yeah. And there was this other one. And I, I told this guy, I'm like, do not sell it for under $25,000. Just hold on to it. That's cool. That's really cool. I have my work like seated throughout like the country too in some places. Like obviously some have sold, but I've also like gifted some work and, you know, some work I, I just kind of like, you know, I, you know, I would just leave it. Somebody, somebody puts up a show and then I just kind of like leave the painting with them just to see where it going to pop up in like 20 years it's going to be interesting to see i did it on purpose did it several times intentionally like leaving a painting with somebody and then also gifting i've done that before mm -hmm, mm -hmm. yeah but, i gifted a lot of my pieces when good. i get it into the world that's really good yeah when i when i um, got rid of my house in la um i gifted um some pieces to people who would come over and really admired my work and i knew they would they would put it in their home and sometimes they take photos and they show me and of course i've had shows and i've sold work and everything like that my pieces I like to do like 60 by 30 or 40 by 40 like I'd like mm -hmm. to do massive pieces so mm -hmm. um you know it took up a lot of space and mm -hmm. you know so so that's that and then I just decided to move more into the digital space and I did I, I did some doodling and so I've done some doodles I released um during the pandemic uh, Angels and Rainbows, which is on the Sophisticated Psycho streaming platform. It's called Angels and Rainbows. And I created um, a lyrical video um, with my doodles on it. And so... Wow, that's cool. So, yeah, it was really cool. And then... Um, and so... The, the, and then... Um, so, so, but I would... It would be really, really cool, I guess, to take the images that I have of the paintings of some that I have and then the some the ones that I don't have and uh and release a digital um art book that could be really cool that would be people, a really cool idea 
Yeah. So then people can see because I took photos of, of all of them. So then so I could I think that's what I'll do. Thank you. I'm, I'm, I'm going to do that. I'm going to release an art book of my pieces like a digital catalog kind of thing. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm going to do awesome. that because of you. That's what just birthed from one of right the, on. one of the things that birthed from this conversation is is just that. Thank you. That would be a great I mean, because like I, I didn't even know you were a painter. Yeah. Like that's amazing. Like I've seen. I've seen some of the, the the videos you do, like on your Instagram feed, with, with like they're they're super creative, like they're they're art by itself, you know. But Thank like you. it would be amazing to see your actual paintings. Oh yeah, I mean they they come off the canvas. There, I do um a couple different forms. One, it's called um it's nature on canvas. So I take uh wilted roses and bamboo and leaves. And it's this like whole romance series where it's like it goes good with like bronze and woodsy, like very like romantic on it would look good like on brick, you know, that's cool. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And so that's one. And then the other one I do, it's more like um, the three dimensional one that I do. It's very um, like pop culture art. There's like I have like Hermes boxes and Chanel boxes like coming off the canvas. And I have this like real silver spoon and I had these like amazing Chanel earrings and they're like four hundred dollars each. And I lost one. And I sometimes. Oh, no. I, yeah, it's OK. But I know they're amazing. But sometimes I'll just like wear like d- two different earrings in, in the ears. But I just took this and it, the whole metaphor of like growing up with a silver spoon in your mouth. You know, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. so I took I took a silver spoon, a, a massive silver spoon, and I put the Chanel earring and I um, the clear um, stuff like right on it. So it would so you could see it's like totally a Chanel earring in this silver spoon. That's amazing. Do you have a photo of that one? Oh, yeah. And I have that. I have uh, it still. I right didn't on. give it away. Yeah, it's at my sister's house. And I mean, that that's that's two hundred fifty thousand dollars, that piece. It's amazing. Yeah, that's amazing. Yeah. Yeah. And you still, you have it still, right? I have it. I have it. Yeah. It's uh, amazing. Yeah. A question I have, because you were mentioning all like Pinterest, you were mentioning YouTube. What about Wikipedia? Do you know anything about that as like an outlet to, you know, for people to find you through that? Are you on there? I'm not on there. That's why I'm asking. Like, oh, I have a friend you, who can, you... I have a friend who can uh, get you on there. Uh, he can, he even, I don't know. He's so busy right now, but I don't know if he would be able to write your bio, but, um, you probably have all that together, but if he can't do it, he used to, um, rep, this is like 10 years ago. He used to like manage a bunch of writers, but, um, I know he, he, uh, I think he, I was on Wikipedia already as an actor, but there were some things that were like off on it. So he was able to go in and like update my Wikipedia. So I have a contact for you for that, for sure. So you have a Wikipedia. Oh yeah, of course. That's awesome. Yeah. yeah, I don't know. I don't know any. I've tried to do my own like a couple of years ago and I, I didn't really know what I was doing. So like I thought I had it <laughs> and then it was not accepted. And so oh. then, since then, I've been like, how do you get Wikipedia? Yeah. But I, y- yeah. There's so like my, a trick to it, right? Like my, somebody has to know. know how to do it. I have no I don't know how to do it. I have no idea. But my right. friend Manuel uh, Carrillo, I can introduce you to him. Yeah, and, that would uh, be amazing. Arrange it um, for, you know, to, for because that would be the go-to person 
uh, for him to help you. Um, but I know, like, I'm on IMDb, iMovie Database, as an actor. That's you know, amazing. So that probably helps a lot. No, no, that's not. But that, the, separately, I was just saying because I was um, transitioning because I have my podcast and I'm an actor. And I'm like, I, you know, Joe Rogan. I'm like, I want people in the industry to know about my podcast. So I want to put it on IMDb. And Isolde, right. um, who's the one who got me on the train tracks of my podcast, she um, submitted hers to IMDb and it was rejected. And I submitted mine and they accepted it. Wow. Yeah. And so I don't know why we both did the same exact thing. But like Joe Rogan, he has his podcast on Wikipedia. I mean, on IMDb. So mine don't have the episodes. I need to have someone go and like backtrack and put all my episodes on there. But like my it is up there, which is great for so for any producers and directors looking at me as an actor, like what has she been up to? They can see because I took a break from on screen acting. Then they can see like, oh, she's been killing it in the podcast game. You know what I'm saying? That's super awesome. I didn't even know you could post on imdb actual podcasts yeah i didn't know either until she told me about it and i was like okay cool we did a mastermind session and then we did it that's awesome mm-hmm, mm-hmm. yeah so but you're you all over be, social media that's really cool i mean you, you really need to be you need to be everywhere you need to be on all platforms you need yeah, to the only all- one i've mastered is uh i've mastered instagram at least i think i have other than that like i don't tweet and um you know, YouTube is like a whole new story for me. So this has been very educational. Yeah, it's its own beast. It is its, yeah. it's, its own beast. And, and and the thing is, you'll get burnt out and you can't do everything your own. So yeah, like, yeah, it's yeah. awesome. You're like, Instagram's my jam. For me, I love Instagram. Like the Chinakis one, nothing scheduled on there. My She's All Over the Place podcast, Instagram is new. That's going to, everything there is going to be scheduled out. The Sophisticated Psychos, everything there is going to be scheduled out. But those that's like, you know, that's podcast. And the Sophisticated Psychos is, you know, my music and my production so that's scheduled. Yeah. but when it comes to Chinakas that's like my personal so like that one is not going to be scheduled like I'm not going to have those scheduled I want to because for me I, that's the fun of it so like you yes. talking about the magic and the fun so the yeah. fun of posting and TikTok that's that's my yeah. new jam as of right oh, now oh yeah that's another one my niece is all over TikTok like oh, oh my god I, I don't even know how I would like incorporate art into TikTok but oh my god oh my god like TikTok. images of me painting like yes. I, I, I don't know Yes. Yeah. Oh my God. Yes. Yes. TikTok should be your TikTok and Instagram should be your number one thing. And then the TikTok, when you go to TikTok, when you can link to, you can link to your Instagram and you can link to your YouTube channel. That's how all these TikTokers and YouTube people became so big because you can do shorter form content and then have them go to your Instagram. You can post it in TikTok and do all these cool things. And it's only... 30, 15, 30 or 60 seconds shorter from content and you do proper hashtags and get your niche market and brand going over on TikTok and then they can follow you on Instagram and they can follow your YouTube page and and for me it's fun so like for me like the best thing you can do as an artist and musician is TikTok that's where you have the most creative control so wow. I'm just start to follow me on TikTok it's Chinakis absolutely I'm gonna My totally do name, that I'll teach you how to do hashtagging um, hacks as well so people actually see your content because there's like ways you you can do things so you can actually have your content be seen but buying things bots don't ever do that buying or again if someone contacts you do you want more followers you want the verification yeah all that's bullshit right don't do any of it don't do it because what happens is your stuff's not going to be seen and your stuff can be taken down at any time yeah exactly yep you don't want to do anything that's fake yeah like i know some artists that um, they're not necessarily tech savvy people, but they post their stuff on Instagram and they don't seem to have like, like, you know, it's not like they have like, 
20,000 followers or anything, but like they get thousand likes per image. And I'm, I asked them like, what are you doing to get so many likes per image? They don't know. They just post and it's, you know, they're like, it just drives me crazy. Cause they it's don't like, know, or they're not telling you. I, yeah, I, I think I know some of them pretty well that I believe that they don't really know. I mean, is that possible? Like somehow um, they just got picked up on the algorithm and they don't know how um, they did it? Or or hashtags? is there some trick to it? Are they doing hashtags? Uh, they, they hashtag, but nothing specific. Like nothing that like, oh, I should use that hashtag. It's just, and their art is nice, but it's not like- Send me some of know, the links. Let me, vi- I have to viscerally see what it looks like. Yeah, I'll send you the links afterwards. Because, you know, the, the guy's a really nice guy. He's not tech savvy. He's got, he makes good art. Like I like his paintings, but like he gets so many likes and it just, it baffles me. Me. It yeah. just baffles me. So like, I'll send you his link and you can maybe like figure out what he's oh. doing. Oh, yeah. They're, just so you know, FYI, there's I don't have them on top of mine, but there are three different sites that you can type in and you can type in the person's social media account, Instagram, um, YouTube, and you can see if they're bots, if they're real or if they're bot, if it's fake or not. Ah, interesting. Yeah, you can see if their analytics are real. That's amazing. I know. <laughs> How do you know all this, man? This is amazing. Ah, you're like, you have all the answers to everything I need to know. It's amazing. Not, well, that's very <laughs> sweet. I mean, but I mean, I, I've educated myself as an artist, yeah. a businesswoman, and it's what I do. I, I love to give value and insight and support people and help people along the way. And also, like, I make money at doing it because I'm that's self-taught cool. and I've invested to learn about these things, just like you invested, you know, in your education and in your art and your interests. So, you know, it pays off. What about, since we're talking about like, you know, social media platforms, what about, um, the name escapes me, but where you can like raise money to put out a product and then you have different tiers of Patreon. You should totally have a Patreon. Yes. You need to have a Patreon. Yes. I got one. I haven't been active on it. I'm going to have another VA do that. You need people helping. You can't do it all. It's too much, but yes, you need a Patreon. So if you go to mine, follow me or whatever, just, you can look, you can, I did like a tier for, it's like a tier for $3, a tier for like uh, a second tier. And then I did a tier for like, I don't know, like 175. So you could do different tiers where you're offering different things. Right. And they're interchangeable. I just put three up just to like have something up, but I haven't shared it. I've, I've only put it on the bottom of a couple of my uh, podcast episodes. So I haven't like really promoted it yet, but it would be a great evergreen ad to do on Facebook to promote my Patreon and have the link on my website. Um, yeah. And so like have like if you had a Twitter, you could have in your Twitter link. If yeah. you have it on your website, have it on your website. Um, you know, have it be visible so people can find it, but you can't just like put the link up. You have to put 300, at least 300 words and use keywords of what it's about, like the art supporting artists, da, da, da. So it, it pops up on the Google. <laughs> That's so much information. Like my mind is melting, but like, <laughs> I, I totally get it. Like it's a whole new world. Yeah. I just never thought as a visual artist, there would be any value in that. Like, oh I just figure like, like, I don't know, I've got to do more research because uh, maybe that's another avenue. Like I can, I'm always wondering like, when's the next opportunity going to come? Like, I just, I don't really know how to make them happen. Like getting into different group shows, getting into having another show, but. I can support you. I can like, I can give you bullet points and visions and connect you with some other people. But the thing is, like you were saying, like that woman, she was living from 2009. That's a two dimensional world. We're in the, right. we're in Aquarius. We're in the fifth dimension now. Yeah, I agree completely. We're not in a two-dimensional world where you pick one thing and only do one thing, and then right. you pick one thing and 
then you retire for 40 years and then you retire. Like we, we're not in that world. So anyone who's giving you that information, they're telling right. you that because that's what they know. And it's like right. old information, old computer. Right. And it's not that they're trying to give you wrong advice. They just don't right. know what they, they don't, don't know, know that they don't know that they don't know. Yeah, I it's, totally get that. It's the, Do you know the landmark theory? Uh, no. Yeah, the landmark theory is like, is awesome for you because it's basically how I look at it. It's like a blank canvas. So everything, every person you talk to, even if it's your mother, whoever, if you mm. go to them with the blank canvas, then you're giving them the benefit of the doubt for all possibilities. But if you go to your mother and there's five things already on the canvas, you're already judging her. You're already expecting it to be some way. Then you're right. th then you're already you know critiquing it, and you're already designing how it, the outcome's going to be. You give no room for anything on the canvas. Wow, that's an amazing theory. That's very cool because you're closing yourself off to possible opportunities if there's stuff on the canvas when you go to somebody. Yeah, even correct. If, yeah, totally. Even if try it, even if it's a person that you already know, and you're gonna expect the same thing from them every single time. Right. And you go to them and you dismantle those expectations, and you go to them, you know, and to create with them or make an opportunity, allow what is to be what is without being upset or let down or knowing that it didn't work out. Because when you leave that room for the unknown, then there's more space for more unknowns. And the unknown, that's where the magic happens. Right. So it's like no expectations. No expectations and expectations is a death threat. Comparing yeah. and expectations is setting ourselves up for failure. Comparing, this is great that you mentioned that because that was one of the things that like I feel as a human being, it's toxic, but it's so hard not to do. Like how come this guy got that show? How come that woman is showing with this gallery? Like constant like comparison and sometimes, not always, but sometimes it just, it's like a... It's just like a black hole. You just go down it and you're doomed. How do you keep from going there? Okay. So, because, okay, it really has a power over you. So, it, it's not hard when you're not doing it and when you're aware of it and you're aware of it and then you c catch yourself doing it and then you grab like the bull by the horn and you say, stop that. Okay, cool. You want to do that? Okay, that's that's the old me. We're not doing that. There, you're not paying rent in my head here. Stop it. Stop it. Call it out. Stop. So it. it's conscious. It's consciously telling yourself to stop it. Yeah. You, you have and just be firm and don't be mean to yourself. Don't right, swear right. at yourself. Don't be mean to yourself. Just call it out. Be like, oh, you're doing that thing. And then five minutes later, oh, you're doing it again. <laughs> Ten minutes later, right. an hour right. later, ah, you're doing right. it again. But I caught you. So befriend it. Befriend the yeah. monster. And be. And then the more you call it out, the more you call it out, the more it minimizes. And so basically it's this couple of things. One, Joe Dispenza, Dr. Joe Dispenza, he's going to be your new best friend. He has a great, he has a podcast. He has a bunch of videos on YouTube. Dr. Joe Dispenza, and he's a neurological scientist. And it's, so we have 60 to 70,000 thoughts per day. And 90% right. of those thoughts are the same thoughts. And most of them are negative. So you're firing and wiring, firing and wiring. Your brain, right. your neurotransmitters. So when you're constantly doing it over and over, you're firing and wiring. But when you stop it, and you call it out, you're unfiring, you're unwiring, you're pulling the roots out, you're pulling the roots out, you're pulling the 60 to 70,000 thoughts, you're pulling those dirty, ugly roots that you don't want to be having, and you're shifting it, and you're replacing it with what you do want. The power of the word, and the power of the sound, and the vibes of the vibration of what comes out of our mouth is so important. Right. 
So how we say something, right? Right. What we're thinking is energy. Energy is energy and motion. If you're right. stuck, if something's been going on since 2009, that stigma, it's been a concrete block that's been blocking you. But once that concrete is gone, you're going to be like, oh, my God, you're like a whole new person with all these new opportunities. And it becomes right. an exciting playland again. Right. Yeah, that's so cool. Because I always wondered, like, it's true in anything, but like, I've always wondered as, you know, actors, like, you, you, you try out for a role and, you know, do you get it? Do you not get it? Who got it? Why did they get it? Like, it just seems like it's just like a black hole that just kind of manifests with like, you know, self-doubt and comparison and like worry and like, just, it's all so toxic, but it seems like it's, it's so pervasive that like how I never even understood how someone could be an actor because right. of that. You know, you're going up for the same role. Like, why are you going to get it over them? It just, I mean, I was never an actor, so I never pursued any of that. But it just the thought, because I've known actors, as like, I don't know how they handle it. But in my own way, as an artist, I deal with the same kind of shit. Like, you know, when I'm when I go down that rabbit hole, which I don't mean to do, but it, I feel like it's like a, a human thing. Like, you know, how come I don't have a show there? You know, but like, it's it's so toxic. A couple of things. One. Even though we say we don't want to, I don't know about you, there's something addictive and there's something exciting about going down that dark rabbit hole where you mm. become, a, it's like masochistic, where like you feel like you have to or want to as an artist to really feel it, the trueness of that peace or that soul. Um, there's something very, um, there's something, enjoy you're getting something from it. They're getting, we get something from it. And then, because I would be like, I would get to this place and, and someone in my life tried to keep me from going there. But I liked going there. I liked going there and feeling the pain and the hurt and sorrow. And that's how I felt my poetry and my paintings. And that's how I thought it was going to be raw and real. And then there was a point where it's like where I admitted to liking it and allowed myself to go there. And then while I was huh. sitting there and I got to a point, I'm like, this is what I like to feel. And then over and over. And then there was a kind of a conscious moment where it's like, yeah, I like this feeling, but actually it's probably not that good for me. It's not probably not healthy for me. I probably don't have to do this to be a true artist. I probably mm -hmm. don't have to feel like a victim or feel like this um, poor lost child or that that feeling that I thought was twisted. Like I, mm -hmm. I actually it's not it's actually not making me feel good anymore. And so, you know, it was like a practice and a reminder and I would do more. So when I got to those places, I would allow myself to go there, but then maybe do a facial mask or take a bath or write right. or do something therapeutic to nurture that inner child um, that felt abandoned and hurt and alone and misunderstood you know, because that happens along our journey. So it's befriending right. our own selves and our, our artist. You should write a book about all this stuff. Like <laughs> You write like it you, with me. <laughs> like you could be like a, you yourself could be like a self-help guru <laughs> for the arts. <laughs> ah, that's the book title. <laughs> I mean, you, you know stuff. I mean, I mean, it's like putting it into practice is like the hard part, but like. Applying like, it. What you were yeah. saying earlier, what you were saying earlier, you said something and it didn't come out. You, you were saying you know certain things, this and that, but then applying what you know, applying it. Yeah, I should take my own advice. <laughs> hey, I just called myself on it too. Yeah, it's I just tough. Called, I just called myself on it too. That's why I went live three days ago. And that's because I called, I tell, I've, I know it's a hack. 
It's a hack yeah. to go live because you bust the algorithm by going live. And right. I have the imposter syndrome and my everything's not perfect. So I'm waiting for the right moment to go live and blah, blah, right. blah. Anyways, and I was going to upload my book and I was telling this guy some hacks. And, and I'm like, you know what? I'm going to do it. And I'm like, yo, what's up, everyone? I'm going live, blah, blah, blah. And then I call myself out and I did it. I applied what I knew that I needed to do that I tell everyone to do. But it's like. I'm like this walking, talking billboard, but I'm, 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 I'm <laughs> you got to do it yourself. Exactly. I'm calling myself out. Uh, the other thing I want to share with you is this, you were mentioning about the actors, the psychological yeah. journey, how they don't, how you don't know they did it. And yeah, it applies to artists, painters, musicians. It applies to, you know, that field. Well, I'm going to share a short story. In 2005, I tested, which means I signed my life away for seven years. I was getting... 75,000 for the pilot, 55,000 per episode. And mm -hmm. I have, and it was my first quota in Hollywood. And this is how much I was getting per episode for the pilot, right? And then, right. and then the pilot needs to get picked up, of course, right? Right. right. So it was between me and two other girls. And I was like right there. I was so, it was like, boom, my first pilot season. I had a great team. I had this great energy. And, I remember when I got the call, the news that I wasn't going any further. Okay. I, I literally went into a black hole for about three days, which felt like seven days. And I told myself, no matter what, nothing was ever worth going, getting that black and that deep and that sad because I was so high. Cause it's like all your dreams are coming true. And I moved to home. Right. And it, boom, it happens in like, you know, the first year of acting, like my first pilot season. And I'm like testing and like, I, I, I'm like signing my life away and like, I see this money and then all my illusions and everything coming to life. And then it just all comes crushing down. I, so I had to like be my own safety net and tell myself because I went to where I went to and no one knows but you and the listeners. Right. I've never told this story before. And wow. that, could, that could go in the book. But yeah, of course. That example, right? But I went to such a place where I had to tell myself I would never allow myself to go to that place and nothing was ever because I was I know what it's like to be very happy and very excited on that horse. But I went so low and I was in my room, like I said, for three days and it felt like seven days. And it's just like, I told myself, like, I will no matter what, nothing in life, nothing in life. And to this day, that was what, like now it's, now it's, wow, 16 years, almost 16 right. years because it was in 2005. And no, nothing, no matter what is worth going into that deep, dark, black space. Thank God I wasn't on drugs. Oh my God, if I was on right. drugs, I mean, I'd probably right. not even be here right now. But, you know, so like, screw that crap. But it's not worth it. It was hard. And right now, as I'm talking about it, I feel stuff coming up. It was a lonely, lonely place. And I was all by myself. And it was sad. It was so sad because I was so excited. And and I just, you know, like, it's something that you wanted to happen or I wished it would have happened. And and it didn't. Right. And, then, and then you go on the artist journey. But yeah. Yeah. Wow, what a powerful story. But like there was a part of you that still was able to tell yourself that, you know, this is not a good place to be. That's like, yeah. that. that's that's amazing. Like, where did that come from? Because that's very, like, that's, that's what got you out of it. Yeah, yeah. Well, it, it happened for a couple of reasons. One, because I, I had the space to 
be in my room for three days and like mm-hmm. cry and sleep and just allow the emotional toxicity to pass me because it was all those neurochemical things coming on through me on a cellular level that was coming and going and I was able to sleep it off and then I was able to like like go to the bathroom hydrate reflect and since I was able to reflect and since then when I came to a a place of reflection because I was able to like sleep it off Mm -hmm. and then talk to myself about it I think because I wasn't on drugs I think Mm -hmm. because I had such a strong conviction of who I was and mm-hmm. what I wanted. And I knew my destiny of, you know, if this wasn't it, it'll be something else. But mm-hmm. I just wouldn't allow myself to get that upset over it again, you know. Right. Um, but I guess I guess I would have to definitely what keeps coming up inside is my faith, like some kind of faith and whatever that is for you and the yeah. listeners whatever that faith is, just some kind of faith in knowing, you know, and, and a trust in knowing, not externally, but an internal faith in knowing. And, you know, and yeah. I, I felt deep down I had that. Yeah, I've deep down I feel I have that too, which is why I, I, I keep at it, you know. But if you, if you ask me, like, you know, what's next? Like, honestly, at the moment, I don't know what's next. Like, I don't have anything, like, lined up in terms of, like, a, a show – group show or another solo show a different gallery i have no clue what's going to happen next when i'm going to sell my next painting etc but i have some like despite all the the worry and the insecurity and the anxiety about how it's going to happen like below that i have this deep faith that it's going to happen i just don't know when where how what (laughs) you have to make it happen you need that it can't be oh i don't know what's going to happen anymore because that's the excitement part but you need to make it happen for me listening to this you know from what we've chatted about Mm -hmm. for me when you're like oh i don't know what it is for me for me it's you setting up your online business right right you know you're your brand and no one's going to do it for you but you right it's a good point and unless you want to do it, no one else is going to care. If you care, people will show up. Right. If you right. want to show up and show people who you are and get everything in order, the machine can operate on its own. But you need to set it up. It's your right. life. It's your destiny. It's your work. So I guess that's what I'm doing next. And <laughs> just answered my question. Yeah. Taking actionable steps because yep. no, no one knows you better than you. Yeah, this has been very helpful. Like, I feel like I got a lot more out of this than I expected. Oh, well, remember what we talked about expectations. <laughs> yeah, it's a good point. <laughs> well, I didn't really, you know, I didn't really know. I, I, I just, <laughs> I was like nervous. I was like, I don't know what I'm going to say. I don't know what to talk about, you know, but like I did it anyway. Like, you know, it was, it was, this has been great. You showed it's up. A, it's you been a great up. experience. Yes. Yes, very- I did. You're very sweet. I agree. And actually, it's one of the best conversations I've had. Um, I feel like um, wow. on all my podcasts so far, it, it really, really, because it, it really, you know, moves through me. It's like artist, artist, like talking. Yeah. I just, I'm like, yeah, cool. Because you're, you're the first painter I've had on. And I mean, like, I mean, that's my heart and soul, like poetry, yeah. painting, you know, like everything else is an extension off of that. Right. Yep, Exactly. So switching kind of gears here um, from like business entrepreneurial mode to uh, and hope, you know, and listeners on here, if you've gained a lot of insight and valuable information, 
um, you know, make sure to follow us on social media. The links will be in the platform and um, uh, hit the five star, leave a dope review, share this with your artist friends. But I kind of I know you mentioned the one um, French painter who you admired. Um, you know, are there some is there a movie or two that you could recommend to the listeners? Uh, movie. I wonder, like, I'm not a big movie buff. Like, I don't really have a movie. I mean, I'm not a movie person. Have you ever seen an art documentary or something in school that you thought was really compelling for an artist to see? Well, if you're talking specifically about uh, painting or artists, I would say there's something, there's a documentary called uh, Painter's Painting. And it's, uh, I don't really remember it that well, but I remember seeing it in, in art school and just being blown away. And it's basically just like a documentary that follows multiple painters around. And you basically get to hear these artists talking about like their process. Uh, it's painters painting. I think you just Google it and you could find it. I forget where, where, where it's actually like what platform it might be on, but it's out there and Google will tell you. Right. Um, that was probably one of the most important things that I've ever seen um, specific to art. Cause it allowed like something happens when I listen to other artists talk. It's like, it, it doesn't even matter if I don't personally like the aesthetic of what they're doing. There's just something for me magical about listening to like pretty much any type of artist but specifically when i talk to another visual artist it's just like like something happens like a door gets unlocked and i just i find that it just becomes this like amazing experience regardless of what i think about the actual art that they're creating but more so like if i love what they're doing it it's just one of those moments where i just want to like capture it so this was like the first documentary that i saw where i had that experience where i was like hearing other artists whom i admired talk about their work it just seemed to be such a valuable and precious like experience so i recommend that great great okay thank you and then of course um is there maybe like a book or two that you recommend for artists to look at um there's well personally i come into like tons of like existential literature which is not too like you know (laughs) it's not a surprise but like as an artist i would say one of the books that i read that was really 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 helpful was um it was literally like i mean this is more technical but it was called the artist handbook um which is a book all about how to mix paint and like you know how to use different materials and even though i didn't necessarily learn anything specific from that it was helpful to me just reading the whole book is by someone named ralph mayer uh was very very helpful and then there's this other book by john dewey d-e-w-e-y called art as experience which is a classic and I highly recommend that to any artist. And then I'll, I'll mention another book. Um, uh, forget forget the title, but it's um, I believe it's by Van Gogh, um, and it's his letters to his brother. And it talks about um, it's basically just him being like completely honest about like how he's feeling as an artist. And it's pretty. It's completely honest, and it's really dark. And it's like you get a good um, uh, entryway into how, I mean, and not like it's not like he's a martyr or like, you know, being an artist is any kind of like martyrdom, but like, you know, it's a, it's a tough road. And just reading his letters that he wrote to his brother, just knowing that that's that, you know, that's how he felt at certain points in his career. Um, it's really, it's touching, but it's also like very like soothing. I'm going to read that. I haven't read yeah, it you yet. You should read it. You should read that. Because it's like, I mean, you know, he he struggled a lot as an artist in terms of his success and what he wanted to achieve. 
during his lifetime. I mean, I'm not, I mean, you know, he's classic. Like everyone knows Van Gogh. Yeah. Um, I don't personally like worship his work or anything. He's not like somebody who I would say like, I love everything he did, but I totally respect him. And just reading those letters were I'm trying to look in my bookshelf now to see if I can find it. Um, reading his letters was just like mind bending and very yeah. helpful because it and made me feel like, you know, I'm not alone. Like, you know, not to compare myself with him, but just like some of the feelings of, you know, you have as an artist about, you know, putting your work out there and just trusting that like something's going to happen with it. Um, it's, it's, it's a process. So that was the first book that I read that really made me kind of like similarly to the movie where I was, I connected in a way with like, you know, his thoughts and I realized, you know, we're, I'm on the same path, you know, like mm -hmm. diff different. So I I'll get the information and like email you. I, I, I believe it's called letter. Oh yeah, here it is. Letters of Vincent Van Gogh. It's right in my bookshelf right here. Amazing. Well, that's a great I, gift to yeah. give any artist, right? It, yeah, it is. I recommend you read that. Like you'll be very touched by it. Yeah, I'm going to definitely. Thanks for sharing that. It's so of cool. course. And not to compare me to Van Gogh, just like you, not to compare, but um, my namesake, Kiriaki, I am named after a saint, and she was a martyr. Wow, that's incredible. It's, 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 it's something to live up to. I've had, that's why I've also, like, had this, like, pressure uh, and honor and, like, this, this, like, regal honor to be named after this, like, prominent saint and, you know, in the Greek tradition, like, when you say Kiriaki, there's like there's like a lot of churches. There's an island wow. of Kiriaki. Like it's very rare. Like you see, hear a lot of Dimitris and Yanis and Pania, Paniotis, a lot of like Greek names. But Kiriaki is like a rare name. Like our prime minister, he's Kiriakos, the male version of Kiriaki. But like it's a very rare name. So it's my wow. Yaya's name, who I'm named after. But yeah, she was a martyr. So it's like a, it's a it's an honor and it's a it's a it's a big deal and it's important. Like a lot of people, like when you talk to them, it's like they don't even know what their name means it's like what is yeah. your name it's like they have no idea it's like you know get yeah. culture like get inspired like, yeah, like you exactly. were saying earlier like you were dabbling in everything because you were interested like yeah and i didn't know where it would lead but I, yeah. I was i was drawn to it i took the chance you explored and same thing with like the podcast being called she's all over the place i dabbled and did things and for more than a decade i didn't just dabble for four to six weeks let me try cooking or something right. no I traveled the world. I like, I went on tour of 50 Cent G unit. I worked with De Niro, Pacino, Nicolas Cage. Like I was working with 19 A-list stars in one year. Like, you know what I mean? Like I really went from zero to hero and I dabbled in things. And then after 20 years of experiencing things, now it's like, okay, let me set up my brands, rebrand and really go That's amazing. full force for the next two decades of my year. You know, here's my adult blueprint for me. <laughs> right. I, I'm surprised. Like I mentioned this a minute ago, but like, I forgot what you said. Have you ever considered writing a book? Uh, well, I'm releasing my first poetry book. So that's my first book. And so then I'm just... I'm going to, I'm going to keep it going, but you know what I mean? But yeah, we should talk. We should write it. We should do a book together or something. <laughs> that would be insane. That would be so fun. It'd be fun to do a book together. I think it'd be yeah. more fun. It's a great idea. Yeah. We could do a book together with, I mean, with self-publishing, it's just, boom. We just, you, the number one thing for everyone listening on here, the number one thing to do is if you don't know how it's going to get done, you don't know how to do it, the number one thing is like set a date. So it's like, okay, today's whatever. And you're like, I can do this in a month or I can do this in six months or I'm going to put myself under the gun and I really want to focus and I'm going to do this in three months. And you set the date and you do it. And the moment you set a date, 
even if you need to reschedule the move that day, when you have a hard date, you tell the universe that you have the discipline and your energy and everything starts magnifying. The people who need to show up will show up. The people who need to get out of your way will get out of your way because the number one most valuable thing in our lives, Gary V says this, he was a keynote at Worlds, Worlds with the Z. It's this amazing conference that happens in Hollywood. Um, mm-hmm. I went to it a few years ago and he said the number one thing is our attention more than money. When you when when someone has an idea like you and I, I'm like, oh, let's do the book together. That's a four million dollar idea. Any idea that anyone has, if it's a four million dollar idea, period. Boom, 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 boom. Then besides that, when the number one thing is you are here listening. And Gabriel's on the call with me and I'm on the phone with him and we're giving each other attention right now. Um, it's the most and there's so many things going on, but the number one thing we're doing is I'm putting my energy out. And you're mm-hmm. putting your energy out and the people mm-hmm. listening are putting their energy on to us. So that's the, we value you. And that's the number one most valuable thing where attention goes, energy flows. So when you set a date to put something in motion for your book or for your art show or to buy paint supplies or to save up to buy paint supplies mm-hmm. or whatever that is, it, it automatically starts working for you. So set the date and, you know. If you need to move it, move it. The, like reschedule for two weeks later or the one month later, but set the date and make it happen. Period. It's I, I got that's great advice. I gotta share my my brief experience with something like that. I remember like I took a I was like, you know, before I got this gallery, I was gallery lists and um I was just like, what's gonna be next? What's gonna be next? And I thought, like, you know, if tomorrow I got phone call and was offered a show, do I even have the work? And I looked around the studio and I was like, I don't even have enough work. So I made a goal. I'm making my show. I didn't know when it was going to happen, how it was going to happen, if it was going to happen. But I just knew like, you know, I, I set a date. I made all the work for my future solo show and I got that show. And the work that I made was in the show. I, I couldn't have planned it better, but there's something magical, universe energy about about what you just said that I think is absolutely true because yeah. I changed my focus instead of worrying or complaining about like, Oh, what's next for me? Like, how am I going to get the next thing? I just said, nope, you're going to make your work for your next show. Wherever it's going to be, it's going to happen. Make the work. And that's what I did. And I just like stayed in my studio and I made piece after piece after piece. And I got the show. Like, so that's a perfect manifestation of exactly what you were saying. Yeah. Yeah. Complaining is dead weight. If anyone's, if you're complaining, if if anyone's complaining, it's dead weight. Stop the complaining. If you're around people who are always complaining, Cut them off Drop the team. Yep. Cut them off yep. the team. It's it's toxic. It's bad. It keeps yep. you stuck. It's just it's it's not good. Um, if there's complaining going on, turn the music up loud so you can't um, hear your own thoughts. Yep. Blah 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 blah. Just start dancing. So true. You know what I mean? Like get out of your head. Like that's what I need to do because I'm an analytical person. I'm in my gut. I'm in my heart, but also like I'm a overthinker. Yeah. I guess one would call it, but. I just need to get out of, we, we, they say, oh, get out of your own way. We just need to get out of our yeah. own way, you know? Yeah. But I think it'd be really cool. Um, Yeah, like from what you're saying, put everything together and just have like an online show. And you also, when you set up your business, then you can have like giveaways, um, you know, like limited time, blah, 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 and do like pop-ups. You can do online pop-ups for your wow. art. So it's like limited time. These three pieces are available, blah, blah, blah. And so it's since it's a limited time, people act fast. People act now. And they want, yeah. People like that rush and excitement. And there are people out there who want to support artists and there are people out there who want to buy things. That's true. That's true. It's about connecting with them. Yeah, I've never done crowdfunding. I was uh, hesitant. I've tried to raise a lot of capital 
uh, blah, blah, blah. I've never done the crowdfunding, like Indiegogo, um, mm-hmm. GoFundMe things because of the imposter syndrome of my ego, mm-hmm. blah, blah, blah. But but now I'm setting it up and I'm actually going to create a campaign because, hey, even if you don't hit your goal, that's free publicity. Like, yeah. uh, the, and it does, it, and it's, it's being vulnerable and it's putting yourself out there, but yep. it doesn't matter what people think about you because they're the people who are going to like say anything or minimize you, those aren't, those aren't, those people aren't going to be supporting buying your work and, and supporting your art. Yep. It's, you want to reach the people outside of the people that you already know those are the people who want to buy your art and then by putting yourself out there like my friend alessandra my producing partner she's like you know okay she's like there are people on indiegogo when you put up your two-minute video and you're like here's my mission this is what i'm doing there are people who want to help people and pay it forward and there are people who have a lot of money or just have some money but they they can it's a tax write-off and they can they just want to partake and invest and help the artists in the world especially in times like now and so there are people who just want to be a part of your mission who don't even know you that could actually contribute and be and be a part of your whatever you're doing. So, like, you know, put together that mission statement and be vulnerable and make a two minute video. It's a quick thing and put it up on the Indiegogo and get a campaign going and and get some funds to make your things happen. So that's a process that you're about to embark on. Oh, I'm doing it hands down. It's it's great publicity. Cool. It's great publicity yeah. for yourself. Oh my God! It's, yeah. Even if whoever's not involved, it's great publicity. Yeah. And and people, even if they can't, they'll share it with someone who maybe can. Yeah, that's a good point. I do it all the time. When I see things, I'll support. And then if I'm not supporting, sometimes I'll just share it or I'll just send it to someone because I know they're connected to that type of thing. And they'll right. be like, Oh my God! Thanks so much for sending this to me. That's cool. Yeah, this woman There's who's so, on my so many platforms. It's actually like a really good time to be an artist, whatever your your medium is, because oh, of a, all these outlets. It's like it's the what best. did what did people do before this? Like it's I guess you you were like a slave to the record company or the art gallery that you worked at because you had no you couldn't really have agency on your own. Everything you know? has changed. It's it's yeah. a new playing field. Because of the pandemic, everything blew up. Anything that was traditional, anything that was was, it just all those old grids came down. It's a new yeah. world. It's a whole new world. We're living in the now of new times and anything goes. With ethics, morals and values, you know, and being true to yourself as an artist, not hurting other people, you know what I mean? And yep. not doing things that are illegal and and, I mean you can do hacks get educated and do smart hacks but like you know when you're cheating someone else and you're hurting someone else you're only hurting yourself and cheating yourself yeah at the end of the day you're looking at yourself in the mirror in five years you're looking at yourself if you're alive and then you're dead inside because you caught corners and you and you and you cheated someone and you're cheating yourself because we're all connected and if you don't understand the part of us being all connected keep listening to this podcast yeah interested (laughs) and keep evolving because we are all connected that is so true and so well said too (laughs) that should go in the book it should go in the book. You write it. I'll say it. <laughs> <laughs> Deal. <laughs> and we'll put your art in it. Yeah, you could put a couple pieces in it. That'd be yeah. great. If we're doing a collaboration, for sure. I'll put- you never know. You never yeah. know what comes from it. Yeah. Yeah. So this has been a great, great conversation all around. It has. Thank you so much for this opportunity. Of course. Of course. I would love to have you back on. Definitely. I'll come back. We can talk again. I mean, this has been very, very insightful and helpful in ways that are just like beyond, beyond, oh, I didn't really have expectations, like I mentioned, but it's, it's, it, this has been way more helpful than I think you understand, <laughs> like for me at least. Aww. So thank you. Thank My you so pla- much. It's, 
It's a Friday night and we feel all right. <laughs> and we're grooving and a moving and a moving and a grooving. Yeah. I was having dinner. I was having dinner and I'm just like, yo, yo, it's Friday night. What's up? What's up, what's up on Friday night? And it's like, oh, yeah. Recording a podcast. That's the new jam. You know, when you're like littler, like you're like doing other things on a Friday night. And it's yeah, like, exactly. Is, I'm like, yeah, this is my jam on a Friday night. What's up? <laughs> yeah, I'm going to walk my little doggy after this. And then, you know, that's that's my Friday night. Like, What's your doggy's name? My doggy's name is Miss Foxy. F-O-X-I-E. Cute. She's just over two years old. She's a beautiful little American Eskimo, which is, for those that don't know, a, a white little fluffy thing. She looks like a white Arctic fox. Cute. Very yeah, cute. Yeah, she's my sweetheart. I'm glad she's keeping you company during these times. Absolutely. She's so lucky because, I mean, I mean, even without the pandemic, I'd probably, like, I mean, I'm way more anxious because of the pandemic, but my day-to-day hasn't really changed that much. I mean, I'm way more isolated, which is a lot, if, if you know, what we talked about earlier, because I'm in my studio all the time. But basically, yeah. I've been in my studio, like, the entire pandemic, just making new work. So that wouldn't have been that much different had there not been a pandemic. But there's still so many, so many things that have, you know, for everyone that just has, has I mean, the whole thing has been an absolute nightmare. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But my day-to-day is pretty much the same. Yeah. Yeah, totally, totally. So two things I want to wrap up with. Yep. One, where is somewhere in the world that you want to go that you haven't been to yet? I haven't been to yet. Japan. I cannot wait to go to Japan. Nice. Me too. That's one of my places. I've never been. So excited. Yeah. Yeah, same. And then lastly, any thoughts, words of wisdom, anything you want to tell? Like if if you were to tell artists out there, maybe you would tell to your younger self uh, something that you know, you can share with the, with the artists out there. Just follow your passion and your intuition, regardless of what anyone else says. And if you, if you love drawing, if you love singing, if you love like whatever you love doing creatively, like just do it and who knows where it will lead. Because the one thing that for me was so difficult to accept, believe it or not, was that I was an artist and I didn't know like really what that meant. I didn't, I didn't want to call myself an artist in the beginning. And a friend of mine, he said, you know, the definition of an artist is someone who makes art. Like it's that simple. So if you make art, regardless of what happened with it, you're an artist and you're allowed to call yourself an artist. I found that like so many people I've spoken to fellow artists, they always felt like really uncomfortable about like, you know, cause they're not sure about their work. They're not sure what they're trying to say. They're not necessarily like completely like confident in their direction. And so they feel very apprehensive and really like, have a hard time just saying that you're an artist. But if you take the simple definition that it's like somebody who creates, then if you have the freedom to call yourself an artist, for me, that was very hard. Like the last creative outlet that I found because I was doing so many different things was ironically my first love, which was painting. But I didn't know that until I allowed myself to follow that that weird drive that I had, which was to experiment and do it. So love, I don't know if that makes that. any sense. But, it, it, makes you know, it's me. been so freeing. Yeah. And, yeah. and as a result of that, I've literally some people that I've met, like they don't know what their purpose is in life. And like, I can't understand that because like my purpose is to create like regardless of what happens with it. And I'm completely confident in that fact. But like to get to that point, there was a lot of time where I was like, pretty dark and unsure of like what I was doing like in the record industry I didn't have any like it, it was kind of fun you know a VIP everywhere and back you know backstage working with musicians and like you know developing their career it was very exciting but it felt like 
it didn't it didn't feel like it was like my purpose like it seemed like very i don't know like just just i don't know like there there's got to be more to life than this and um now i feel like completely like i'm doing what i'm supposed to be doing if that means anything like mm-hmm. I, i don't know where where it leads but i know that this is what i'm meant to be doing it's like through some higher power like this is this is what i'm supposed to be doing and like i i meet people that don't know what they're supposed to be doing in life and it's just like i don't understand that i don't understand how you could just like go through life not knowing what your what your real purpose is and um because i allowed myself to pursue art i found my purpose it's just like i'm so grateful for that mm-hmm. even if i never sell another painting so that's like a huge gift so my advice would just be follow your passion yeah so i guess um two things one i guess an actionable step if someone's having that um confliction of um stating they're an artist maybe in their bedroom or in their planner or putting on their profile artist just put it out there artist just to kind of make a statement about it right just to put it yeah. out there could yeah. be a, own it. An, yeah own it an actual step and there's there's a book out there too called um the artist way which Julia is Cameron, also Cameron right Julie Cameron yeah i know her i like i know her personally and i okay. i did the book and uh, it, it kind of helped me too my girlfriend Ali Saunders she's doing it right now she's like on week 4 or whatever she's like That's off great. All, she's like off all social media she's only doing work stuff but otherwise she's off all social media things like that um so she's like we're going to talk next week Kay. I'm like okay cool <laughs> That's um, so cool yeah yeah i read the book i uh took myself on a date i i make k time i took i remember the first time i was upper west side and uh i took myself on a walk and that's awesome little k wanted to go on a walk and i we went on a walk and we just were strolling the upper west side strolling the upper west side and i then little k wanted to go into a vintage bookstore and little k went all the way to the <laughs> back awesome. and i re- i stood i stayed there and i read shakespeare for an hour that's what little that's k awesome. wanted that's what little k wanted to do that's yeah. so cool yeah yeah i love 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 uh love that book. So the I guess the last thing I would like to say cuz of what you were saying about like the purpose and and um no pressure everyone on here. But like what if someone is, you know, conflicted where you're like follow your passion, follow your intuition. I know along my journey I I've been conflicted where I wasn't sure if my intuition was my intuition. Like how do you mm-hmm. check in to know like is that little voice the right voice to listen to? Like how do you how do you know if you're not confident about your own intuition? You know what I mean? How can any words on that about knowing yeah. your intuition? That's a tough one and I totally understand what you're saying. For me it was I mean it's going to sound like strange but like I felt like like my my true intuition versus like my fake intuition. My true intuition just was kind of like me I'm feeling like like kid in a candy store kind of like super happy saturday morning cartoons like just that excitement of just like you know having I don't know how to explain it but like that that feeling accompanied my intuition. when i was feeling a certain way when i was painting and it kind of transcended are my paintings any good like you know are they going to sell like it was beyond all that it was just this like inner child kind of feeling of freedom that i felt that i kept following and that was that became my intuitive intuitive voice because i went through the other thing is that i went through so many years prior convinced that i like i would tell people flat out like i'm not an artist i work with artists but i'm on the business side like i really made a differentiation between 
being an artist and being somebody on the business side within the record industry. And a lot of that was just like, I was following my wrong intuition. And I don't know, like one way led me to a very dark, depressed place. And the other led me to like complete freedom and like happiness. And so I chose the, obviously, ultimately I ended up choosing the happiness one. And that was following my intuition, but it's tough. It's like, that's part of living. You know, you got to like suss through what's, what's your real intuition and what's all the you're telling yourself just takes time, I guess. Part of the journey. Yeah. Especially the artist journey, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. I think we're all artists. Just some choose to share that they're artists and some people are yeah, just, I agree, but we're all artists. I think Picasso said something about like, you know, everyone is born an artist and it's just like somehow people stop creating as they get older. They just think it's like, you know, look at any kid with like finger paint. Like that's like pure joy. Yeah. I don't know. Like it just. Yeah. Oh my God. You know, know, I like, I've been coining myself as like Socrates' younger sister because like, (laughs) like I'm a seeker and he says his, his definition of a philosopher is a person who's a lover of wisdom, a seeker. But, Mm -hmm. but based on what you just told me, I mean, I might be Picasso's cousin because, (laughs) it's possible I think the same thing like I think we're all born artists we're all God's angels and we're all artists yeah I think people that continue with it are are very lucky regardless of even if you have a successful career externally like financially like that's great but I think like regardless of that people that get to pursue their art like it's been a big sacrifice too you know it's like I don't have like this amazing trust fund or some cushy job you know it's like it's been a sacrifice in a lot of ways to pursue this, but it's been something that I've been willing to like, you know, for me, it's, it's, it's well worth the sacrifice because when I'm painting, I feel like completely it, it's, it's meditation for me. Like I feel completely at one in the universe and it's just like a feeling that is just, I mean, like I, I can't put it in words. It just feels so right. I mean, I there's also that. pressure. Like, you know, when you have a show, you got to make work for a show or certain collector, like you have deadlines. So it becomes like, you know, it it is a job and it is work too. But on a, on a, on a pure, pure level, there's also this like amazing freedom and joy and meditation that comes from it. Yeah. And like at the end of the day and the end of the life, it's like, you wouldn't change it. I wouldn't change it for anything else. I couldn't imagine changing it for anything else. And, and if I had the opportunity to think about it or do it, like it wouldn't be worth it. So it's, it's worth it. So I guess, absolutely. I guess that's another thing people can look at when they're like deciding if it's worth it, you know, if it's worth it, then you won't regret it. Right. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. It'll be a sacrifice worth making, worth making. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Cool. On that note, we're over and out. And this is has been an amazing conversation with Gabriel. You are awesome. As are you. Thank you so much again for this opportunity. So exciting. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. Everyone, uh, follow Gabriel on the social media platforms and check out his website. They'll be in the show notes below. But go ahead, give a shout out to your Instagram and your website so everyone can check it out. Yeah, sure. My name is Gabriel J. Schuldiner. So you can find me at Gabriel J. Schuldiner, S-H-U-L-D-I-N-E-R.com. And my Instagram handle is my full name, Gabriel J. Schuldiner. Google me. You'll find me. I'm out there. Yeah. the Google. He's going to become the Google master like, pretty soon i want to be on wikipedia that's my goal for this year somehow get on wikipedia oh i mean let's ha- <laughs> let's let's have that happen within the next week or two yeah definitely yeah. i'll follow up with you totally all right we're over and out on this episode thanks for tuning in share this episode immediately 
Thank you so much for joining us. We'll see you next time. Kiriaki, over and out. <laughs>